Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Tony Dunn and not to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions. Only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. What's up, Panther fans? Welcome to the C3 Panthers Podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com, where every Tuesday night we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. The debate is heating up, folks, between who the number one quarterback that should be drafted, the number one quarterback of this class. It is a QB draft controversy, and it's among some of the greatest in history. There's been some good ones, and the Panthers will be the decider of this debate for the second time in their team history. One was with Cam Newton. They got it right there. Will they get it right as Bryce Young stock has continued to soar? At least the money is moving his way. Is C.J. Stroud being slandered? We've got that. We've got a bunch of new news for the Carolina Panthers going forward. We've got people talking about who the best Panther players are of all time. Twitter has been going nutso. But even cooler than that, guys, we've got David Geddes coming on the show tonight, former Carolina Panther wide receiver, quality control coach for wide receivers currently for the Syracuse, for Syracuse right now. And, Cody, you can then ACC team. So, Cody, you that's all up in your lane. We're going to get some ACC, kind of, baby. Uh, a cool walk down memory lane uh, and really kind of very fitting because – uh, Geddes, Coach Geddes, David Geddes, if we would just refer to him as we referred to him when he was playing, is uh, was on the team and had that year and that season for him, that career year for him, the year before the Carolina Panthers went and drafted their next quarterback. So kind of can give us some insight into the change of maybe how it is for a coaching staff to come in, uh, what players are facing as they go into the draft, leave the combine, and how it is to – kind of fight for a roster spot, deal with adversity of injury and some different things. And who the heck uh, maybe we'll get his insight on to is Bryce Young too short? Maybe. Maybe we'll see. We got a lot to talk about. The number's 252-228-5098. That's right, 252-228-5098. Getting to the chat. We'll have feature your calls in our number two. Cody Lashney, my wheel man. Welcome back to the C3 Panthers podcast. Tony, Don, you already know. There's nowhere I'd rather be on a Tuesday night than sitting here with my boys, chilling, talking about these Carolina Panthers, man. Bryce Young every day is starting to look more and more like a shoe-in. I feel like C.J. Stroud is already being unfairly slandered. And boy, let me tell you, I'm going to go off when we talk about that tonight. So be prepared for that. Uh, We're going to talk about the inside linebacker position uh, tonight. That's been a heavy focus on Panthers Twitter. But Tony Dunn, you already know that we're going to do this 
with the best damn Panther fans in all of YouTube. And the list gets longer every Tuesday. You know them and love them. It's 910 Panther fan, C3 Panther Pickle. What's up, Drew, AJ Lindsay, Algernon Ramzir, C3D's Ill Skills, Craig Cartner, CJA, Evan Sports Talk, James Island Panther, Josh, Just Don't Care, Panthers 910, Smells Like Blue, Sideshow, The Cardiac Cat 13, Underground West, The Real AP, and That Boy, White Chocolate Espresso, Tony Dunn, ain't nothing to it but to do it, brother, let's roll. Don't forget, you can be a C3 super fan for dollar, just $1.99 a month to continue to help grow the program like Cody has been doing. Putting out film reviews gets you a lot of perks, but also just helps us continue to expand coverage. Shout out to all those Panther fans on the way to Indianapolis in a couple of weeks. We got some goodies for you. Uh, we're working on those cards for you right now. White Chocolate Espresso and CK, the voice that makes a moist. The baby is on the way, but man, you made time to hang out with us, man. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, just got off of uh, uh, shooting, uh, uh, going and uh, to the links and playing uh, nine holes. So I'm, you know, super busy right now. Yeah, way um, to support mom. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um, you know, I'm happy to be here, man. It's uh, Tuesday night. Uh, always good to be here with the fellas um, and the ladies in chat. Uh, and uh, obviously nice to have a special guest with us tonight. So that's going to be good. Yeah, don't forget, guys, uh, just a few minutes. We'll catch up with David Geddes, former, former Carolina Panthers wide receiver, Fan favorite, dude. Uh, one of the things is this is oh. one of those players. I wish that if you guys, if we would have had fantasy football, um, like those keeper leagues like we're in now, like I have these leagues that I'm in, and like the only way you can win them in these super deep leagues is to get like a gem at some point. This was the guy that you were, we were all hoping to stash away. Man, I, Cody, I, I got one question for you. If you, I sent you his stats, Cody's the youngin' of the bunch, Greg. Oh, I know. Six three, ran the forty, and four 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 is what the come yeah. on by time I wrote the the pro dates <laughs> four three nine. I'm thinking right now those like right now this would be the name that would probably go number one in this class at this point. This class is kind of yeah, I'm, I'm ashy as some of the ones in the past. I'm I'm such a young and at 33 years old. Yeah, I'm just yeah. a I'm just yeah. a baby out here in these streets. But by the way, Tony, before we go any further. I have to give some credit to one of the new patron saints of the C3 Panthers podcast, man, because just don't care. Hit the chat with another five gifted memberships, man, to Tim Estes, Sideshow, Cardiac Cat 13, and Underground West, and your boy White Chocolate Espresso, man. So, hey, man, just don't care. You are the man, brother. We love you here over here at C3, man. And uh, by the way, for only a dollar ninety nine a month, you get first access to these film room reviews that we've been doing. It'll go up live on YouTube uh, the week after, but it goes up first to all of our super fans. And we're doing a lot of film rooms on CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and people really love that one that we did with Big John of One Carolina so much. We might even do some. For Anthony Richardson. Uh-oh. Be on the lookout for that. Hit that like and subscribe. Back to you, Tony. All right, Greg. Welcome back to the show, man. I hope everything is well with your family. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. How you doing, man? 
doing fantastic man of course thank you for having me and uh look i gotta tell you man what i'm most excited about right now and and i'm gonna go ahead and describe this is my randoms what i would say is randoms all right is panther fans who are just now hearing news about carolina panthers uh off-season trade acquisitions and moves and starting to get excited Uh, we've been excited the whole time but i know people at work that are just hearing about this stuff scott van pelt says that Carolina is an under-the-radar team to look out for. I haven't heard anybody talking about Carolina with the moves we made. But I think we have done an amazing job this offseason, and I'm hearing a lot of what I would call randoms, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Any fan is a good fan. If you're only a fan we're doing well, or you hear mainstream news, that's cool. I'm cool with that. I love fans. But what I would call randoms are talking to me now and talking about how great they hear the Carolina Panthers flying under the radar. And that's what I'm most excited about right now, to be honest with you. Yeah, man, new new era, new era, always yeah. excitement, a lot of buzz here. Don't forget we're having our 10th live draft party. We've been doing watch-alongs before watch-alongs were a thing. Oh, yeah. Again, we've stumbled into this, Cody. Why don't we stumble or run into segment mm-hmm. one? Let's bring in Coach David Geddes to the C3 Panthers podcast. Hey, Good Coach. On, How you guys doing? Excellent, man. Welcome to the show, man. Again, we were talking a little bit beforehand, and we just wanted to hey, thank you for your time. Uh, just tell us a little bit about where you're at right now. Yeah, so I'm in Syracuse, New York. Uh, so part of the coaching staff here with the, the Orangemen, uh, ACC. So I heard we had one fan. Uh, so we're just uh, getting through with spring ball right now. Got about a week and a half left, and, uh, you know, onwards and upwards to start the 23-24 season. Wonderful stuff. You're quality control coach for the wide receivers. Uh, and you've been now in coaching since I've read, I read since like 2015? Uh, like 2016, 2015. 2016. So, yeah, I went back to school, finished, got my degree, started grad school, and then, you know, uh, got into that that line of, of, of work, essentially. So, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a journey for sure. That's great stuff. Uh, you know, you were uh, drafted in 2010, and then you go to the Carolina Panthers, and it's like a – um, it probably was. Let me ask you this: Is it must have been a difficult experience being a rookie on a, on that team? Um, you know, is that because that was, you know, I think what it was, a, it was six games before you got a win, five or six games for the win, and then right. it felt like the coaches, you know, the writing was on the wall that it was time for a new, you know, kind of a different direction, or at least it, it got that way at some point. Uh, well, how was it becoming it was, a rookie? Yeah, I wouldn't say it was difficult for me. I, I would say. It was a it was a new experience. Um, so, for me personally, the journey of learning how to win in the NFL, I and being a part of it and, and having a seat at the table, if you will, um, it, it, that was it was something that I, I really liked because I, I was able to actually partake in you know helping a team win games and and trying my best and, and going out there. And I wasn't just a fan. I wasn't just watching. I was actually out there on the field doing it. So, yeah, some of those results that we had, I mean, if you remember, I, it's a long time ago, so a lot of these fans probably don't remember that. But a lot of those games came down to the wire. I mean, and we, we were, you know, we're losing Fighting. games at the yeah. very end. And, you know, finally when we, we got the, that first win, it, it felt so great because, you know, you had to work really hard to get it. And that's what makes this league, in my opinion, you know, unlike other ones, because, I mean, every team that goes out there on Sunday has a chance to win. 
Uh, you, I don't necessarily think you can say that about, you know, other professional leagues where, you know, on any given day, any given game day, you know, any given team, you know, the, the worst team in the league can beat the best team in the league. It doesn't matter. It's all about matchups. It's all about, you know, how prepared you are that week for that opponent. But, uh, yeah, that, I mean, it was it was amazing for me. And, it, and then, of course, it was my first year. So, you know, everything was uh, it was new and, you know, uh, it was uh, definitely a learning experience that I'll, I'll always remember. Well, when you talk about contributing to to the first win, that was your best game of uh, your career, the best game a receiver had in that season. If I remember right, you were nine for 125 yards and two touchdowns against the San Francisco 49ers. Right. Yeah. Um, I, go ahead. Not a bad game. Not, not, not a bad, a bad game. game at all, for sure. Um, that was probably my biggest game ever I, it, it, on any level, high school or, you know, uh, Pop Warner even like, right. you know, so, uh, and then for it to be a win, you know, that's the, probably the biggest thing because that's what it's all about uh, and getting to celebrate that with your teammates. So yeah, uh, that's, the, that's the goal, man. Like everyone wants to go in and, and, and help. And I've, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I know for, for, for sure me, my, my whole thought process was I just want to go and I want to help the team as, as any way I can, whether that was, you know, run vertically and, and, and get other people open or, or, or run block or whatever it was. You know, that's what I wanted to do. And um, I was able to do that and, you know, have some success and, and put some stats in the career, you know, uh, stat books. But, uh, you know, overall, man, it's, it's all about getting those wins in the win column. So anytime you, you were, get a chance to do that. You were brand new, I mean, to the to the pro game that season. And, you know, you're watching a team that's, you know, not, not getting the results. I'm sure you guys are going out there. I mean, we know you guys are going out there fighting hard, but not getting the results that are – you know, people want, and, and and ultimately this leads to Carolina Panthers bringing in Ron Rivera and securing the number one pick with Cam Newton. How was it uh, going through, like, a regime change as a player? And, you know, was there some anxiety around that, some nervousness? And that, and then we'll talk about some of the challenges you face going forward after that. Right. Well, yeah, for sure. There's uh, some anxiety that goes into it because you want to – you just – you really just came down to getting comfortable with the the coaches that gave you the first opportunity. They drafted you. Uh, they, they put you on the field. They put you in a situation where you can prove yourself. And now it all comes full circle and you have to do it all over again. Now, luckily for me, it was only one year removed. So at the end of the day, uh, you know, it, it wasn't really that uh, uh, too far-fetched for me to, to get back into that mode and, you know, just go out there and give it my best and understand that, there's a new coaching staff there. There's a new receiver coach. There's a new everything, uh, new offensive coordinator, new system, new playbook, and, and all these things that go into it. And you have to learn all these new things. And you're also trying to impress with every single thing you do yeah. to show these guys that you're you're fully capable of going out there on the field and, and, and contributing and, and doing your job. Um, so they have to get to know you. You gotta. You're hoping that they kind of fall in love with you in and, a certain way. Exactly. That's what it's all about. And and at the end of the day, sometimes you. I don't think we all realize this. Um, they gotta like you. Like you yeah. know, just because yeah. you, you can be really good. There's some really really talented players that play on Sundays or or that are on teams that don't play. And yeah. that's because they're not likable guys. And the, and the coaches don't like you. They're they're human beings. They have egos too. And sometimes they'll find a way not to play you or they'll, you know, do things to make you kind of sabotage yourself and uh, demand a trade maybe and get out of there and yeah. they're happy because they don't want you there in the first place. Like, so, yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's a, a huge component to it. Like making, 
just being likable and being a good, a genuine good person. And, and these are grown men, these, but these are men. These are just like you are. So you know, having those relationships there, but then being able to do your job, I think is obviously the most important thing. So yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it does. It kind of brings you to the idea. I mean, when you're their guy, you know what I'm saying? is like, is with that, and I'm kind of wondering, I think of this as kind of, in some ways your play style felt like as a Terrace Marshall Jr. is now that guy for the Carolina Panthers, sure. you know, is that he's got to, is he, how does he fit up with the pre- previous regime? You saw Matt rule when he came to Carolina kind of just cast off all the trying as slow exodus of players that weren't his. And he brings in and, and sticks and holds on to players too, that become his right. So that, that relationship component is a big part of it. Greg, I'm gonna give you the mic. I just, this is a fun, this is kind of a fun question. Uh, and, or for me, it's fun. I go on this radio show, and sometimes we do this bit on uh, Fridays where it's like, who's a who's a player you would want to be your roommate? Who is a player that you would want to have uh, get, get in a fight? Like have your you have your back when you get in a fight? I always said this is that I think that the hardest person to live with would probably be Steve Smith. Like I would kind of live in a little terror. Like who ate my cheese nips? <clears throat> Who ate my cheese nips? <laughs> or who drank well, the milk? How okay. was Steve well, Smith that year where everything was, boy, he could not have been happy in 2010. He wasn't, but that's funny because he was my roommate on the road. Oh. Was, yeah. there <laughs> did he, did, you didn't and, eat his cheese nips, did you? And the funny thing is, he's a vet. He's a future Hall of Famer. He yeah. doesn't have to have a roommate, but he let me become his roommate, and we would talk and – I mean, he didn't have to do any of this, but he would talk to me about, you know, playing on Sundays and, and what my mindset should be and the approach throughout the week. And, and you know, I, as a coach now, some of those conversations we had on Saturday nights in the hotel, like before the games, or some of the things that I'll remember that, and I'll hold dear some like the most. Like that's, we talk about the experience, the NFL experience, you know, and even though mine was short and I, things happened, injuries happened, and I wasn't able to, to fulfill it to the fullest. But some of those moments were some of the greatest I've ever had because I got to sit there and have intimate conversations with a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, like, the GOAT. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, and triple crown, the whole deal. And he's he's that guy. He's that dude. You know, he talk about who's him. He's him. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, uh, yeah. But, yeah, so you're talking about somebody who you wouldn't. He he uh, was somebody that I would. Like, absolutely. Uh, and then the uh, fighting one, obviously, he's number one like oh totally <laughs> totally you definitely you, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of people been on the wrong side of that all right greg mike's yours yeah man uh, uh coach Gettis, what's up man uh what's greg I, I just wanted to say uh it's great to have you on and it's great to talk to you and i just wanted to uh, ask you we're talking about a lot of personal level things here as far as nfl players go i want to know what the draft process is for right. a player coming out of college preparing for the draft expectations the way things fall like how vulnerable are you in that in that point? Like when you go to the combine, when you do all these things, like what is your like? Where's your mindset? Like, like this uh, is this is kind of a make or break moment for you up to this point in your career and your life. Well, yeah, I uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, the stress is definitely at a uh, at a high at a high level uh, for sure. So uh, if you're talking particularly with the uh, the combine, I mean, oh my gosh! Like as soon as you get there, as soon as you land in Indy. I mean, you're 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 basically you're being uh, my agent. The way he kind of explained it to me is like literally everything that you do is going to get judged throughout the process. You know how you eat your food, how you order. Like when you go out and you're having these meetings, 
they're they're seeing how like okay well how does he interact with people you know when he orders food what is he does he is he is he strong enough does he, does he you know does he voice his opinion strong enough to where people know what he want, exactly what he wants is he a good communicator like every little thing they're they're honing in on and they're using that to separate you from the next person you know what right. i'm saying on right. top of all, all the stuff that the physical stuff, you know, as far as the testing and then, and the, you, you know, the stuff, stuff that goes with each position group and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, 100 percent throughout the whole process, every single meeting, every single phone call, every single personal workout, every single uh, uh, every single thing that you do throughout that whole process, the bowl, the bowl games that you do, like the senior bowl and all that stuff like that. It's literally someone judging you. To right. see if you're good enough, mm-hmm. and you're and, pretty vulnerable. That, at that obviously, point. that's pressure. I mean, there's, yeah. can you imagine something like that? You know, so I mean, we've all been on job interviews, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's just it's a job interview that fo- fo- they, it fixates on so many different levels of who you are, your personality, and then uh, to to go along with your skill level and where you're at mentally and your ability to to do a job, uh, and that's play on uh, football on Sundays. I've heard stories of them like planting people in the elevator and it's like, you know, they're watching you when you're not. I wouldn't put it past them because yeah. there's a lot of money that are going into you making the right decision. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? You're, you're putting Jobs. a lot of your fan bases, you know, <laughs> hopes and dreams on deciding who's going to be able to you know go out there and perform for you. So yeah. I wouldn't put it past them to do something like that. Well, look, you know, I'm a vet, so I'd gone through basic training and I, I, okay. I honestly, I'm kind of trying to compare it to that, to be honest with you, but I'm looking at it in the mindset of in basic training and they're looking at the same kind of way people that they can separate from others, they're going to invest thousands of dollars into, whereas in your, your, your mind, they're investing millions of dollars into. Sure. So I can only imagine how much more ratcheted up that is and how intense that is. Yeah. Uh, but what about the draft as well? Uh, like, like how, how, like how much anxiety does that bring to you? Like draft. Yeah, and when did you know you were getting drafted by Carolina? Yes. Okay, yes. so my draft experience, you know, I was I was a six rounder, so you know, I wasn't right. the guy I was getting in the you, you guys know, the matter too. Yeah, yeah, you know, I wasn't going out on, on day one. You know, I watched the draft day one and then I did not watch the draft at all. Like so day two, day three, I didn't I didn't watch the draft. So uh I remember if I were yeah, I remember I was out with my dad and my sister, and uh we were uh, I think we went to the movies or something like that. I just came home from training. Uh, I got done. I wanted to relax. I didn't want to stress about any of that stuff. So we're at the movies. And uh, I remember getting a phone call from it. And it's a telephone number that I didn't, I didn't recognize. So obviously I picked it up because I understood, you know, what's going on. And it was the, the Buffalo Bills. And uh, the Buffalo mm-hmm. Bills called me and the coach was like, hey, we're about to draft you. Just letting you know. Uh, really excited about the opportunity. So just let you know, when this pick comes up, you're going to be a Buffalo Bill. And I'm like, all right, cool. This is awesome. So throughout that, whole, you know, I told my dad, I'm like, all right, cool. I guess, you know, Buffalo, get ready for the snow and, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. And then the pick before was Carolina and Carolina picks me. So. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had, did, had zero meetings, zero conversations, didn't work out for anyone in Carolina, didn't, Okay. Never talked to anyone in Carolina, knew nothing about, you know, the organization other than being a fan of Steve Smith because he's from L.A. and, I, you know, I'm from L.A. So, but, yeah, like, wow. literally, it just happened just like that. And then, like, John Fox called, and then that was it, you know. And then, oh, all right, here we go. Like, started hmm. talking about coming out to Charlotte now. Wow. 
That's awesome. That's that a great awesome. story, man. Yeah. So, David, again, my name is Cody. But thank you so much for having you on the show tonight, man. You're, this is uh, this has been some some really insightful stuff. Listen, if you've been looking at the comments, man, you know that there is a lot of discussion around this number one overall pick for the Panthers, man. This is such an exciting time for us. There's yeah. a buzz amongst the fandom that we haven't felt in such a long time. I mean, literally since Cam Newton was here playing quarterback for us. Absolutely. So, you know, instead of directly asking who you like more, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, which, by the way, you're more than welcome to answer if you'd like to. But my question more specifically is, to you as a wide receiver, what are some traits that you're looking for in a young quarterback that's going to be throwing you the football? What are some of the traits and abilities and skill set that you think that the Carolina Panthers should be prioritizing right now as they do look for their signal caller of the future? Right. Well, I think the number one thing is accuracy for sure. The, the number one thing is, is accuracy. And then you want to look at, at strength, being able to, can he touch where can he, how far out can he touch with his arm? You know, so Accuracy and strength or arm and arm strength are the two biggest things, in my opinion, um, that you're looking for. And if uh, and when it comes to the NFL, like guys like, you know, Josh Allen, who had that arm strength initially. Right. But then the accuracy came afterwards. Now he is, you know, up there. We put him in the top three conversations of NFL quarterbacks. So going forward, it's got to be a guy that can do that because, you know, as far as the accuracy goes, the coverage that you're going to be facing in the NFL compared to college where wide open could be, you know, three to four yards open. Now you're going to begin some really good corners that wide open now is two yards. So even a yard and a half, and you still got to be able to fit that ball in, in between sometimes window tight windows where linebackers and safeties are. And you got to put it in there sometimes before a corner can even turn his head and look. So I think that's probably one of the most important things, two of the most important things as far as uh, being able to to be a successful quarterback and what you're looking for in a quarterback from the receiver's perspective. Okay. CK, jump in there, man. Yeah. So um, this, I'm going to ask you a question that we asked Jonathan Stewart. Um, it, the context is going to be a little different because he was on in the middle of the season, um, right when Steve Wilkes was taking over, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. <clears throat> and at that time, Steve had Steve Smith had talked about on his podcast about there was somebody in the Panthers organization that had asked for a trade. So my question was, um, or that had asked him about requesting a trade. I should state, um, okay. and and so I asked Jonathan Stewart, having gone through exactly what you went through in 2010, when you see the trajectory of the team going in that direction, is there any part of you that looks at that as? Uh, I'm going to ask to go to another team or is it um, I want to be here and help build it back up? Like what is the uh, thought process going through your mind? I know you don't have a lot of leverage as a rookie in that year, but I mean, is there any part of your brain that goes, you know, let's get out of Carolina. This is a sinking ship or, or is there really just a, uh, you know, we need to stay and fight and build this up the right way. Yeah. I'm, I was all about you believed in me. So I'm going to do everything I can for you. And that was my thought process. And I bought in. So you brought me into your team. You brought me into your organization. You gave me a chance. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how rough it is or how rough we're going. At the end of the day, I'm going to do everything I can to get us to where we want to go. And I think that's really pretty much 
You, when you're building a team, you want to build a team with majority of the guys believing in that more so than I'm going out here and I want to do the best for myself. And if that mm-hmm. includes me not being a part of this team, then so be it. So I think I was fortunate. I don't think I'm naive to say that I was a part of a team that I, I genuinely believe that everyone wanted to be a part of turning it around. And, um, you know, even through, you know, the rough years, that rough year, that next year when Cam came and kind of rejuvenated that fan, you know, he rejuvenated that yeah. team and brought a certain energy that he had. And I don't think the league has ever seen, you know, when he came, do you remember the buzz that was around the league when Cam right. came? Oh, we did. Uh, yeah, but I remember that day, the minute he came I, on to the team, first team meeting, like it, you just felt like this energy, like, Oh yeah, we have a chance. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like we have we have a legit chance to turn yeah. the table. Tell him the story, Cody, real quick. Oh, dude, Tony came. Uh, so I live right by Mid- South Mint Street. I live so close to Bank of America Stadium. And uh, Tony came to my house. We're getting ready to. He's getting ready to go to the game. And uh, I asked Tony, "Who you know? Who, who do you think's gonna win?" And we both pretty much felt the same way because we have Cam Newton. We know we have a chance. And that's how you always felt with Super Cam, man. He was going to put his body, his his everything on the line to do everything he could to get the Panthers a W on that day. And man, that's he's my reason for being a Panthers fan. I love how, that dude. How Absolutely. big was his? Like you said, you felt the energy. Mm-hmm. Was he just a big personality walking into that? And and not like in, in uh, distraction. Yeah, not yeah. like that. But like well, it almost feels was, like he was never a distraction. He was never right. a distraction. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. So, like, but it just seems like he's like a guy that it's like you command. A, it's like we can't help but go. Oh God, it's Ace Boogie, baby. <laughs> like right. it just there's a presence to him. I feel like. Okay, so this is how I like to explain it. Right. So we have like. On one spectrum, from people outside looking in, they look at Cam Newton, they think cocky, right? And I hate that right. word, especially yep. when it comes to relating with, cock, with with Cam, right? When I look at him, I say swagger. Now, what's the difference between swagger and cockiness? Swagger is earned. Swagger is earned by you putting in the work, and then you okay. get confidence with you, the fact that you put in so much work, and then that proceeds that you are walking around with an aura because you're so confident, that you can get the job done at any point at any time, right? Okay. So the difference between me like, say, saying someone who's just out there and they're cocky, they're like a you know some first round pick guy who thinks the world is his, and I'm a, you know I'm making whatever whatever, and I'm here, and I, this is the world. The NFL belongs to me. Compared to a guy like him, who from day one, all he did was work, grind, film room. We all saw the behind the scenes stuff with Luke Keekley and him and him watching film. That was him from day one, like rookie Cam Newton. Like that's literally day one. Um, the what what he did with his body, how he, he kept kept in shape, like all the stuff that he did, even in the off season, he wasn't a guy like he would go out, but he would just like go out just to be with guys. But he would never like just he, he wasn't drinking, he wasn't smoking, he wasn't doing anything like that. Like he was a guy who genuinely everything he did was it's about football. being the best quarterback he can possibly be and helping the team win. So you're there's so many players that we've a talked to on this show, but we've been doing this. Like you said, we watched the we watched the Carolina Panthers, the discussion out there with like a microscope. Mm-hmm. And I challenge anybody to find one player that's played with Cam Newton that's had anything 
negative to say about him really it's like yeah. i mean it's all it's is that is just another story of consistency about him and that's man that's just it's awesome to hear about that presence and like you said swagger that's that's confidence there's a difference between arrogance and confidence right and you Absolutely. want your you want your quarterback to be confident <clears throat> You don't want them to not pull the trigger. We've seen players, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but ones that don't want to throw the ball past the five, five yards, there right. is a, a kind of a fear. You want to, you don't want to live in fear, and Cam never has. I wonder why. CK, you had a follow-up with a question. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, with regard to the question about Steve Smith believing or saying that somebody was about to ask for a trade or asked him about their opinion, um, there's a lot of speculation that that was DJ Moore. Mm -hmm. Um and so that brings me to the question about DJ Moore. I don't know how we have a former wide receiver. And we haven't even talked about the fact that DJ Moore was traded. Um, and so when you look at the moves the Panthers have made, adding Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, do you find the loss of DJ Moore kind of a, a, a balancing act with what we've done? Or do you feel like we're still somewhat in the negative losing a guy like DJ Moore? Well, I, and I mean this wholeheartedly before I knew I was coming on this show and, uh, and, and non-biased. Adam Thielen is one of my favorite receivers in the NFL. And nice. he's one of my, he's, he is, he, you know, everyone has their top 10, but I put him out just outside of my top 10, but really like he's, he's literally one of the, the, one of the guys that I show the young receivers that we have here at Syracuse. I try to show the, him like his tape because he, you don't necessarily have to be a four, four guy in order to have success in the NFL. You know, in my opinion, the NFL, you're either a, a freak athlete, right, or you're either a technician. You got to fit in one of those realms. You got to be a freak athlete or you're a technician. <laughs> and you're really good if you're both, right? Right. So he's definitely a technician at what he does. And he finds a way to consistently create separation, which is the number one thing for a receiver, in my opinion, is your ability to create separation and get open and catch the ball. And his ability to do that is 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 up there, and he's he's earned that, and he's made life easy for Stephon Diggs in Minnesota and for for Young Jefferson in Minnesota because you can't necessarily double team one of those receivers when you have Adam Thielen on the other side, right? So to answer your question, um, to bring in Adam Thielen and DJ Shark, who's hungry to kind of get back to where he was when he was with Jacksonville, net positive. Ago, Right? Yeah. Was that two seasons ago? Yeah. When yeah. he kind of went off for you know a thousand plus, I think. I I love DJ Moore's game, but that's two. You got two for one. Like you're, you're yeah. And you know, a, and the number one quarterback. Right? Yeah. 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 So. And now you get to you get you got to you get to give your um sorry, you have an opportunity to give your number one quarterback whoever it may be. I know we're going to discuss some of that stuff later, I, but whoever you guys shoot decide to yeah. choose. You're giving them a veteran, a veteran receiver to throw and, to, not like just, the guy who's figuring it out. He right. understands the game. Yeah, and to, and to just say that, like the poetic aspect of this, and it's so bittersweet because we've been waiting to find a quarterback to get DJ Moore the ball, and it's DJ yeah. Moore that's going to allow us to get that quarterback. It's just, just without DJ Moore. Yeah. The ball. Irony. So it's, it's irony, but it's bittersweet. And it's just right. this wild circle. I'm sure he's going to have wild success up there with Justin Fields. I hope Fields can take it to the next level, but I appreciate you answering the question. I'll let uh, Cody take it from here. Yeah, David. So listen, but this number one overall pick, 
Panther Nation is torn down the center. We are a Panther Nation divided right now, man, because Bryce Young and CJ Stroud is a never ending debate it's amongst exhausting. Carolina Panther fans. And there's still so long to the draft. <laughs> we have been having this ever since the Panthers traded up to number one. It feels like it's never going to end. We would be remiss if we didn't ask you if you had an opinion on who you think the Panthers, well, one, who you think they should draft. And number two, do you have any inclination on who you think they actually will draft uh, come April 27th? Right. Um, I mean, that's, it's, it's just so tough. The only thing different, if you look at their stats and what they've done in college, yeah. uh, and, and what they bring to the table with this pre-draft, pra- uh, just, uh, pre-draft process, I mean, the only difference is one's taller than the other one. You know what I mean? Like, in my opinion, like, uh, you look at their stats, I mean, they're both throwing the ball high 60%. You know, they've both thrown for over 8,000 yards in their careers, 80-plus um, touchdowns, and I think I think they both threw, like, 12 interceptions in their entire career. So, <laughs> I mean, look at the stats are, like, right there. Like, so yeah. so it's Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Like, you know, yeah. which one do you prefer? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I Usually you have something like, all right, well, this guy, you know, he's – He's really athletic and and uh, he 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 uses his his legs more. And this guy is really good with his arm, and but he's not athletic. I mean, they both are. I mean, comparable to the T. One's just taller than the other one. So it's one of those random occurrences where I feel like you can't go wrong with either one. Like, right. <laughs> you know, like. There's a there's a there's a third subset of Panther fans that are just like, dude, I'm happy with whoever it is. Just get it over with already. Yeah, Let us yeah. know who the actual quarterback is. But when it comes to Bryce Young, my my question though is, I, I feel like people necessarily aren't too scared about the height. It's right. more so him being around 190 pounds, and there's this fear that. You know, look, he's going to be the smallest quarterback in the NFL the moment that he's drafted. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like any team is right for having some kind of hesitancy about whether or not his body and frame is going to be able to withstand an NFL schedule? Right. So the way I look at it, right, he played in the SEC, right? Sure did. Alabama. They got a lot of freaks. We talk about freaks and technicians. They got a lot of freaks running around the SEC. Yep. And he survived the SEC. I don't remember him having too many injury problems. I know the one I do remember, he had like a shoulder, right? Like, and there was a. Uh, yeah. And he didn't even take a hit. He was going out of bounds and landed on his right. elbow. It was a freak long. accident, right? Play, yep. play the game of football. It's all about collisions and, and, you know, it's a freak accident. Freak accidents happen. So, with that being said, not only did he succeed, that not only did he survive, but he thrived in the SEC with his size and his weight. I, I get the NFL is a different level, and now you're playing the best against the best against the best on a weekly basis. But he's physically shown that he's more than capable of, of, of producing at a high level against bigger guys, to say the least, right? So I don't necessarily look at it like as a problem. Uh, you know, People bashed Drew Brees for being, you know, six one, and oh, he's he's shorter than six three or six four. He's he's shorter than a prototype. You know, what we what we're used to, we're used to the guys looking like 
this, this, and this, and he's, he doesn't look like this. He's different. And all he did was become a Hall of Famer, right? Mm-hmm. We looked at guys like Russell Wilson and all these other – all these people that are – I mean, Cam Newton, people looked at him and said he's not a prototype quarterback and, and he doesn't have the mechanics and all these things like that. And all he go, went out there is lead a team to the Super Bowl, win an MVP, and, and, and consistently prove doubters wrong. You know what I'm saying? So I – at the end of the day, you got to look at what they're able to do and what they've done. And he's proven over time and time again that he can last in the league where there, is, there are guys that are going to play. They're, he's playing against NFL talent every single game he plays. You know, there's guys that are getting drafted in the first round of this in this draft. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. he's fine, in my opinion. I, he's I think the concern, though, just – I mean, I don't know if it's – a. I mean, you just have to talk about it. Like, that's what I tell people is sure. me, me saying that there is – we need to talk about how his size is going to translate to the NFL game. Shouldn't be necessarily received as a negative. But the Bryce Young people, they get so defensive. They get really defensive about this. And people are now on the internet is going, how tall are you? Because then it's like, oh, are you short? I'm, a, I'm, I'm under – I'm 5'9 and 3 quarters. So, I look. I, I I sympathize with the man. Uh-huh. I'm just saying this at some point, the hit. It's not about the hit that you see coming. Mm, yeah, you mm. know, it's the I one that you you. We're gonna need you to step up in the pocket and make a throw one day yeah. where you don't, where nobody wants to see the outcome afterwards. Right. And I'm really kind of more concerned that he's just gonna end up like in the third row of the stands. <laughs> right. <laughs> well. Uh, but he's not – I mean, like you said, he's he's survived to this point so far. But his his frame definitely isn't one that's going to get bigger, though. Mm-hmm. He's He is – you know, it's not – at least that's what the scouting reporters say. It is like he – it's not like he's got a man body to still grow into. It's that he's always going to be an undersized guy in this league. Uh, what about – I mean, so – I mean, is Stroud – he's – is the processing level this this is what everybody tells us about young it's his processing is like unheard of like you get I, Nick I Saban Nick Saban going out there saying I've never worked with a quarterback that reads defenses like this he's looking at tape before the coaches are I've I've this I mean and people are saying he throws there they're convinced he throws the ball to a spot he doesn't even see what's going on and things like this mm-hmm. is that <laughs> Is the drop off though for Stroud that far behind him on that? And I just don't feel like it is. Is I feel like he's out there looking to his second and third reads. I don't know who would you pick. Who would you pick? Oh, don't do that to me. Okay, well you don't <laughs> got to answer. You don't got to answer. I, I, I got a question. I can actually add on to that right there okay. to, to, to okay. maybe maybe to, sure. to give my my opinion on what I would pick. And I wanted to ask you as a player, especially. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're talking about this with CJ Young or with, C, with sorry CJ Young Bryce Young yeah. crowd, um, and and we talk about how he's playing against pro level type players. So I wanted to one ask you on the backside the difference between you and the Baylor, right? Yes. The difference between between the college level and the pro level, right? Like, like, was it what you expected? And then I, I wanted to also talk about how while he's while he we say he's playing against the best players, every team he's playing against is not not NFL level talent, mm-hmm. but he is every game playing with the best in the league type talent as far as offensive linemen, defense, wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Whereas he's not going to get that in the NFL, which bothers me. We talk oh, about will. Drew Brees. Just... We talk about players like Drew Brees and Russell Wilson, which are fantastic players. But I feel like they're kind of anomalies when it comes mm-hmm. to short players because I can look at Bryce Young's best year 
and compare it to Baker Mayfield's best year, and they're almost identical. And Baker Mayfield's two inches shorter, and we saw what happened with him. That's my only concern. I'm not saying Bryce Young's going to be bad, but right. like th- those are the things I look into with this. So I feel like I can teach C.J. Stroud to maybe be more cerebral, cerebral, yeah, smarter in yeah. the game. Um, <laughs> I can't. I can't make. Yeah, I can't make Bryce Young get taller. That's my right. only concern with it. And you're entitled to that. And you're yeah. and if yeah. you're the GM, if you're the GM of whatever team, and that's how you feel, and you can base your you can base your pick off of that. And this is the one draft, in my opinion, where if you decided to make your decision off of that, you wouldn't be wrong. Like you, right, right, right. You know, I, I feel like if you're in the top Coke. two, like you're in the top two, if you you're walking away feeling really good about yourself. Like you're real, you're walking away. Like I got something to work. I literally have something to work with. I have something to build my franchise around. You won't, and, you won't answer the, who who you would pick, but where would we go wrong? The guy that eats <laughs> banana pills. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't do that. No, I wouldn't do that. I that's wouldn't. a red flag. If you eat the banana peel, that's a red flag. Right. <laughs> oh, and I heard about, yeah, I heard about that. No, I mean, yeah. hey, to each his own. I, I personally wouldn't do that. But yeah, as far as like picking inside the top two, yeah, I wouldn't. So okay. it's, it's, so it's young it's games. Either, it's, it's either CJ or Bryce, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. Either one of them is a winner. Okay. There's, Got a two, it. there's, a, there's two people. There's only cool. two people that exist in that drive as far as. I can, I get behind you there. Well, can, can I ask you about the first part of that question then, as far as from the college level to the pro level, yep. what you were expecting and what you actually got? Was it what you expected? Was it way faster than you thought it was going to be? Like, what's the difference between the two levels? One, 100%. It's all about speed. And yeah. I, I'm a fast guy, so I'm used to, like, you know, I played in the Big 12, and the Big 12 is a fast league, yeah. fast conference. 4-4-2, uh, right? And at Baylor, we were one of the faster teams. Every Saturday we lined up. So – Going into the league, I was always kind of like I always anticipate, you know, I always anticipated being able to go out there and like, hey, I'm gonna go out here, I'm gonna run by people whenever I want to, and that's my thing. That's that's why I'm here. And I remember distinctly like my first practice. Um, I remember this like to this day, like my first practice, um, as a rookie, barely get reps. So, you know, I remember that first time I got reps and I, I got a rep with the ones. And I was very excited. And I was like, all right, cool. Here we go. So I got in there and they told me to run a, a goal, a simple uh, seam goal route from uh, the slot receiver position. So I'm like, all right, cool. This is going to be open. So I saw his cover two. So cover two, safety's widened. The whole middle field is wide open. I'm like, I'm about to score a touchdown on my first, <laughs> rep, on my first rep in my first practice. I'm about to. I'm. This is it. This is this isn't happening. This isn't life. <laughs> to the moon, right. baby. Oh my gosh. Pre so snap, I see it. I, I see it. I know, like, oh my gosh, I'm about to score. Long and behold, John Beeson. I don't know if John Beeson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. God. Yeah. He's the Tampa 2 Mike. And his responsibility is to make sure he carries anybody going up that up the middle of the field. He's running stride for stride with me. And I'm looking at and I'm like, what are you how are you doing like, are you, are you right. morning and like how are you still here like in the quarterback ended up you know i'm a, I'm a rookie he's not gonna throw the ball to me like he didn't throw the ball to me whoever it was i forgot the quarterback was at the time and i just remember like coming back to the huddle like 
Oh my God! Like this. This is the this is the league. We the have little linebackers that can run stride for stride with me. Like, what am I gonna do? Like, I, <laughs> like but you know, okay. that's that just comes with understanding. Like the it, the league is it'll never be as physical from um like guys will never be as big and as strong in my opinion than they are in college because when he, when you get to the NFL, sometimes you see guys like they trim down because they understand that they have to be able to run fast. Like, you know what I'm saying? You have to, you have to be able to be fast. It's right. all about speed. If you can't run in the NFL, you're, you're no good to your team. Like the, the old days of being the big guy that could just really hit, you can hit everything in a phone book. Some days are gone. Like that's not, that's not what the league is about. It's all about being able to run sideline to sideline. You know what I'm saying? And then if you can obviously be physical and be violent at the same time, Luke Keekley, yeah. then you'll be a hall of famer. Right. Yeah. The name of the game is speed. You got to be able to run. So that's the biggest right. difference, in my opinion, uh, from college to the uh, to the NFL is the speed of the game. Okay. David, did you have a welcome? So I mean, you mentioned that in practice, and that's a great story. Did you have a, a welcome to the NFL moment that happened during the game where it was like, whoa, man, like, like you'll just never forget for the rest of your life a certain play. I mean, it could be good or bad, but just right. a, a certain play that you'll never forget. Well, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you something better. I'll give you something better. This is, this right. is a, it's a funny one, right? All so right. My, my rookie year, the first game we played the Giants, and I didn't even dress. I didn't even dress. I was on the sideline. So then the second game, I ended up starting. Um, so I started, and we played Tampa Bay. So this is a Tampa Bay team. They have Rondé Barber and they have uh, Akeem Talib, I think, and they have uh, some other some other good guys. Um, so I remember I'm getting ready for pre for I'm getting ready uh, uh, for the pregame stuff, and I'm I'm going up there warming up. And Rondé Barber comes up to me and he says, "I I hear you're going to start this game." I'm like, "Okay, yeah." And then he literally shakes my hand and says, "You take care of me. I take care of you." What do you mean? <laughs> like, what do you mean? He's like, when it's when it's when it's, the ball's in the air, and it's me and you, I'm going. I'm coming for your head. Just letting you know that right now. But if the ball's going away from us, there's no need to kill each other. We're good. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, like, a little so, business decision there. But that's a that's that's how things happen. Like people don't understand that. This is people's careers we're talking about, and people want to be healthy. And the last thing you want is, you know, to get hurt when you don't need when you don't need to when it doesn't a play doesn't involve you. So I remember, yeah, like I, I remember him pre pre game coming up to me and just talking to me like, yo, like, don't you know worry, he, I'll he, take care of you, and we'll play hard. And we did. We had you know whenever I we had a couple catches that game, and it, you know we 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 battled. But then there's times in the. <laughs> When there's a run play going on over there, and he's just looking at me like, "You good?" and I'm like, "Sure, take it easy on me." Like, all right, cool. You know so, what? That's a that's a savvy vet move there because he knows that you're a rookie, and yeah. it's your first start. And he's like, "This guy's gonna be so hungry. He's probably right. gonna run me over something <laughs> like here." Let's go ahead and get this out of the way. Speaking of injury, this was a knee injury ACL your second year. Mm-hmm. Was it in training camp? It was, it was, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. And then it took all the way. I was reading, uh, went back. I was, like I said, I was in the archives today looking at some of this stuff. It was all the way until uh, November of 2012 before you came off the pup list. How was it? How, just can you talk a little bit about the challenge of 
being injured, particularly when a team is, you know, with a new quarterback, are you part of the, I've heard kind of horror stories where you're like, almost feel like an outsider at times. Like it's and some of that, like, how was it dealing with that knee in 20, uh, 2011 after such a really kind of an exciting, not a kind of an exciting start. You were the buzz of, uh, uh, of, of talk when it came to the receivers, we have been struggling to find anybody they had drafted Brandon LaFell the same year that you were drafted, I believe. And it was just like, but you're the one that came out and we were excited. Like we were like this, this is, we got the, the diamond in the rough. And then you face that challenge. How was that experience your second year? Well, I mean, no one wants to deal with, you know, that kind of thing. And, and kind of having your, like my dream, my whole dream was, you know, to make it into NFL and then being able to play and then being able to play alongside one of your heroes and Steve Smith um it was a dream come true right so going into that second year you know we had a new coach we had a new offensive coordinator uh, uh Rod Chazinski, yep, yeah yep, yep you remember um and you know they had this this new they're running this west coast offense and they're explosive and they want to run you know we we just came from an offense where we ran the ball down there every other play and then Chud's like, no, we're going to air this thing out we're going to throw it every play and oh you wanted to be in that offense oh too. my god so like the first couple of weeks of training camp, I'm going crazy. Like, you know, I'm just, I mean, they're throwing deep balls left and right, just going crazy. Just, so I'm like, this offense is going to be unbelievable. I'm about to have an amazing year. And then I had a hamstring injury and I came yeah. back from the hamstring injury a little too soon. And because of that, I got the knee injury. And that was unfortunate. So the combination of the two, and it never really, because of that, it never really healed. And that's, just, unfortunately, that's, you know, that's my story. But uh, as far as like how, where that put me mentally and where that kind of put my my place on the team, I think everyone's situation is a little different because I feel people understand who you are and what you bring. And it's, they understand like what your intentions are, right? So if you're a player that you didn't really care before and you get hurt then guess what no one's really going to care about you or at the in whatever situation you're going through at that moment but if you're a guy that i mean like you're a team player and you genuinely care about other people then that's the one where it hurts it hurts everyone when you're yeah. hurt. and i just remember like the guys like consistently coming through and checking in through uh, checking in on me on my rehab process and you know i still had great relationships with a lot of the guys and you know, during that that time where I would rehab, I would still be around the team, obviously, all the time. But it sucked because, like, that was, like, when Cam started becoming Cam Newton. And then yeah. you see all your friends, be, you know, yeah. the plays. And, and you're like, I'm watching it from the stands. And it kind of killed me from, from that perspective because I didn't feel like I was a part of a team. I felt like I was a fan. And I was. Yeah. But I felt like a fan. And, you know, that's what that's the only part that sucked for me and from my perspective. But man, like being able to see that stuff up close and then seeing the buildup and seeing how he prepared to get to that moment on Sunday, which we all saw, was amazing. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that I can instill into the guys that I coach now is because I was able to see greatness up close yeah. from multiple players, from Steve Smith and from Cam Newton, from the quarterback's position and from the receiver's position. I was able to see that up close and I was able to, to, to you know, have a brief moment of, 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 of being able to contribute and I can add all that stuff into to now that's all experiences that I can add and give to other people now. But yeah, right. like other than that, man, it was, it was something that you just deal with it and you, you move on. I know that people did care about you and I got proof of it today because um, 
there are two reporters. One is named Darren Gant. He used to work for, he was with, uh, which paper was he then with? Now he works for the team. He works for Carolina now. Okay. Uh, and there's this other reporter by the name of Jonathan Jones, who is really big for CBS now. Now he's on TV and all of this. They, we've, I've interacted with these people for over a decade since we've been doing this podcast, but you know, kind of independent media or podcasts for a long time ago were a little bit more, they lack the credibility and that they have now. So these guys do this for a living. They're very professional. They don't often recognize, not like it's not like they're mean to us or anything, you know what I'm saying? But it's like they're kind of on a different plane. Okay. And uh, somebody, I put out the tweet, said, David Geddes coming on the show, and I see Darren Gant just at Jonathan Jones on it. And it's like they, I guarantee you that Darren Gant's in the in watch lurking right now because, I mean, this is, these were guys that were covering you then. They were for the local paper, and this was like the one bright spot where, man, that 2010 season. Now, you mentioned the hamstring because this is what I was reading. I was reading about the knee injury, but I do remember the hammies being, an issue didn't you go to were you in tampa bay at any time yeah so okay and i felt after, like that was a hamstrings there were, I, you know get released from carolina um i had a short stint in tampa bay and then that's when i just realized that in a, in a short stint in, in washington as well yeah. but yeah it's just yeah it, that was just it's unfortunate but that was just the the, the nature of what happened and it how much really did you play to. how much did you play with rg3 at baylor at Baylor, so two years, two years, two years. My, my junior and senior year were his uh, freshman and sophomore year. And your senior year was your best year in college, right? At Baylor, yeah, for sure. Yeah, by, by far, yeah. So, awesome. uh, yeah, we'll go ahead, uh, Cody. You want to go take the next one real quick and segue it to the wide receivers or whatever you want to talk about? I don't want to hog the mic. Ooh, wide receivers. Yeah. Uh, so you know, kind of going back to the draft here. Okay. Uh, you know, everybody. Uh, I have my draft crush. And this year's draft at wide receiver is Zay Flowers out of Boston College. I think Zay uh, is is incredible. But uh, there's a uh, there's a big time cornerback coming out of uh, coming out of Syracuse this year. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I was wondering if you could speak about him a little bit and uh, tell us a little bit about him and tell us what kind of player you think the NFL is going to be getting that big time cornerback out there. He's talking about Garrett Williams, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. He's a stud. He's a stud, um, hard worker, uh, physical corner. Can, he's fast. He's quick. Uh, great ball skills, um, and I mean the kid can do it all. Uh, but but the thing I like about him and that he he already has the we what we call it, act like a pro, be a pro at all times. He's the guy that's going to go into the weight room, do the extra stuff when no one's looking. He's working uh, every single day after practice. He's working on his his. his T steps or his drop back steps, whatever he is. You know, I'm not a corner, so I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not going to pretend like I know everything he's yeah. doing. But, you know, whenever I'm out there and I'm talking to somebody or working with one of the receivers, he's out there doing corner stuff. And that's consistently throughout his entire career at Syracuse. Uh, so hard worker. That the class, you know, we got him, we got Sean Tucker, another guy, Bergeron, uh, one of our, our tackles from Canada, going to be a stud wherever he gets picked up. Um, these are guys that are, I mean, unbelievable, and they've they've earned the right to to get to this point, and I, I hope nothing but the best for them. Yeah, uh, he's definitely gotten a ton of buzz. A lot of people, I think da- Daniel Jeremiah even has him as his number one quarter or uh, cornerback in this year's draft class. So right. he's uh, definitely a big time prospect. Um, a question I wanted to ask you 
what bit of information do you try to impart to all of those young players on those teams? Is there like a certain bit of wisdom or information that you've uncovered in your years playing in the NFL that you feel like is important to impart to these young guys on their journey as they transition into the NFL? Right. Um, I think the number one thing is, is from my perspective is being a professional athlete doesn't turn, it doesn't turn off. You don't clock in and clock out every single, every single move and decision you make is either affecting your, your ability to perform on Sundays or whatever day you're performing is either affecting it negatively or positively. So what you want to do is you want to go into it, understanding that it's a process and it's a grind and you understand that, you know, maybe I'm going to have to, you know, I can't do this. I can't do this today. I can't do this right now because I have to, you know, I got to go get a massage. I have to go to the gym. I have to run. I got to do some yoga. I got to do something else like that. Um, it's it's a process. And the great ones, they just, they're always working. They're always figuring out something to do. Uh, and that's just, it's just consistent. It's consistent in every sport. You know, there there is there are no days off. You're always, there's always something to be done. There's always work to be done. And there's no one that's going to be telling you to do it. You're on your own, you know. Yeah, so that's really, the big. That's the big transition. Like there, from high school oh, to college. Yeah. Like you're you're still, your own uh, business yeah. then, yeah. right? Well, and think about it, like from my perspective, from a co- being a college coach right now, right now. I'm. If you're late to a meeting, if you're late to class, guess what I got to do? I got to call you. Hey, where are you at? What are you doing? Do I need to come pick you up and bring you? You know, those kind of things, right? Well, guess what? If you're late to a film session or something in the league, yeah. they're gonna just find you. And then if it happens enough, <laughs> mm-hmm. if it just happens enough, you're going to get cut. Like that's simple as that. You know what I'm saying? You're just not going to be there anymore. If you go, if, if you're hurt and you're not doing the stuff to get back on the field and no one sees you, you're going to, they're going to just replace you and get somebody yep. else. Simple as that. So mm-hmm. it, 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 it has to be all from within to understand like everything I want to do, everything I want to succeed, everything I want to accomplish. I have to do it. I have to initiate it. And that's the biggest thing you have to understand, I think, for the most part. The most yeah. important thing, at least. Cody, uh, this is, yeah. uh, you know what uh, Ty Gurley said about that. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you want to hoot with the owls, you better soar with the eagles. And I think I want to say something. The owls, you better soar with the eagles. There is no excuse, but man, production, and you better be on it there. Uh, yeah. There. Go ahead, my, uh, Yeah, my, fi- my final question that I have for you, and thanks so much again, man. The chat room is loving this interview. They definitely appreciate, and we appreciate the time that you spent with us tonight. My okay. final question is, is there a certain wide receiver in this draft? Like I said earlier, I, I'm really partial to Zay Flowers. Uh, I think that man, even though they primarily played him from the slot, I right. think he can be a legit X wide receiver in the NFL. Is there a certain player or a certain wide receiver that you feel has superstar potential in this year's draft? Yeah. So being in the ACC, I play against Zay Flowers. I played yep. against uh, I played against Josh Downs. I played against A.T. Perry. So those are three guys that I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to necessarily say that those are my top three guys, but those are three guys that I know are going to be able to make a difference on Sundays. Okay. And Zay Flowers is definitely one of them, and I've figured him out very early on in the process, you know, my job is definitely to, to go in for, from a receiver perspective, from my coaching perspective, you know, I'm going out and I'm breaking down the film and, and saying, you know, what, what, what the defenses do for whatever team we're playing against that week. And Zay Flowers' film, because, you know, obviously ACC teams play each other. So you're watching what plays work. And it's such a coincidence that when you're ever watching the, the highlight reel, of the, the plays that are, are working against certain defenses, Zay Flowers is coming up consistently. And then you watch his film, and then you realize that this guy is dynamic. His change I of mean, direction is un- unparalleled. Like, he I can mean, stop on a damn dime and then go 100 miles an hour. He's elite. Elite. And I I'm I was a huge fan of his breaking down his film. Like, as an, you know, as an opponent, like I'm breaking down this film, like, oh my, like, I don't know what we're going to do when we play this guy. Cause right. this guy is going to go off. Like, you know, so he's, you talking about, well, he's one of your favorite receivers. He's one of my favorite receivers. I was a fan nice. of his since his sophomore year. Um, and uh, 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 we talked about AT Perry at Wake Forest, big body, great body control, great hands, and just a playmaker all around playmaker. And he can get in and out of his breaks he can run routes. He creates separation. I'm all about creating separation. And then when he comes down to that, you got Josh Downs in North Carolina, the same thing. So those are three big-time receivers in this draft. I know we got the Jackson Smith and Jigba at Ohio State. Uh, what's what's the guy? Uh, Quentin and Johnson, I think. Quentin something. John, uh, the guy from Quentin Johnson yeah. at TCU. Uh, Jalen Hyatt at Tennessee, I believe. Tennessee. 
right? Jordan okay. Addison, then, uh, yep. Jordan uh, Addison. Jordan Ad- from USC. Yeah, USC. Uh, yep. Uh, well, everybody's so small in this class, though. It's kind of an undersized see, group. You go. So my thing is right. It, it, the league is transforming to where it's not necessarily about. It's not about Muscle. size anymore. Yes, it's I not agree. about being the biggest guy on the field. It's about your ability to get open and catch passes. Mm-hmm. Can you consistently get open and catch passes? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be six three to be able to do that. You don't have to be. So like that's why Zay Flowers to me, like you draft him, you're getting a guy that's going to play for you on Sunday, like day one, like. Is he, he like great. a waddle? Is he kind of like uh, waddle maybe? Or um, I, I, you know. I would say he's a little bit more polished than waddle. Waddle's, I mean, he's he's good. I get it, but this this kid is he's polished. He's a he's a polished route runner and he's explosive. Do you have a so, comparison? You got a cop like Steve a cop, huh? Steve Smith. Steve Smith. Oh, oh, how about that one? Wow. You're trading okay. up and getting him. Wow. You're saying you're saying ceiling right Steve now. Smith, right? I think he would like, agree. I think I, I ceiling Steve think Smith, right? If yeah. someone okay. were to ask Steve Smith, like, who do you think compares to your game the most? He would say he would say Flowers. Okay. Yeah. Steve has been very glowing of Zay Flowers, man. And I've even yeah. I've I've even heard uh Antonio Brown as another comparison, just because similar okay. body size. But man, the footwork so is kind just of nasty. Sneaky. Yeah, his ability okay. to make separation on his own. I I echo that sentiment a thousand percent, David. Think about what that does for your team when you have a receiver that can consistently beat whoever's in front of him. What does that mean? You have to do if you're a game planner with if DJ. I'm, Shark. If, I'm, if I'm a defensive coordinator <laughs> and I know that you're going to beat my guy every single time, that means I got to give help. That means that's one extra person that you're taking away from something else. You're taking one extra person away from the box in the run fit. You're taking one person away from coverage from somebody else. And now you can scheme up all these other things over here because now he's getting so much, you know, he's getting so much attention over here. That's the name of the game. When you yeah. have a, a um, um, Justin Jefferson, um, when you have a Cooper Cup, when you have these guys, the elite receivers, it changes the game for you as an offensive coordinator. It makes things so much easier. So that, that's the priority. That's the premium is finding a guy that can do that in an elite level. And it doesn't necessarily mean that he has to be six foot three to do it. You know, he seems like, you know what he sounds like, Cody? It sounds like he could be a Frank Reich type of player there. Who was the guy that uh, was in the Colts a couple of years ago? He's really uh, T.Y. Hilton and. There was one other. I think it started with a P. I'm going to find his name. But it's like these guys are real important to what they can do, drawing attention away. So sometimes it's what you have to account for for the player, even when they're not getting the ball, that then opens up things on the other side. Uh, Fantastic stuff. Uh, Last question, CK, around the horn, and we'll let uh, Coach Geddes get on with his evening. He's been so generous with his time tonight. Yeah, we've uh, we've absolutely we've milked it. your evening. <laughs> <laughs> I told him fifteen definitely, minutes definitely when I reached out. I was like, yeah. "Oh god, I lied." <laughs> I'm sitting here fifteen minutes. We're not in ten fifteen. No, it's been a really minutes. good conversation, man. I, I I appreciate it for sure. Um, I I I think we've been so complimentary of our additions and the potential for other wide receivers. We've left a, a couple of big question marks on the field or on on I guess on the table. And that is Terrace Marshall Jr. and Shai Smith. When you see the receiving core the Panthers have, if you draft a guy like Zay Flowers, it's leaving a guy like TMJ off of the 
off of the first first uh, the the first team, right? He's not going to be starting for the team uh, on a regular occurrence unless something were to happen to Thielen or, or DJ Chark. Um, so what are your opinions on what you've seen? I know you probably haven't been able to do a deep dive into TMJ or Shy Smith for that matter, but those are two promising uh, young uh, draft picks that we've still got on rookie contracts. What are your thoughts Absolutely. on those guys? I, I think Terrace Marshall, even back in LSU, I, we all remember the, the amazing year that they mm-hmm. had with Justin Jefferson and Chase. Yes, well, he's right there along with those two. If you if we all recall, he's up there making big-time play after big-time play after big-time play. So this dude was amazing. And I think that he's coming into his own because he wasn't really asked to do much. And then he wasn't really given the role to necessarily show what he's fully able to do. So I think he has all the potential in the world. And I think he's going to have an opportunity to show that and showcase that. And there's definitely always, like we talked about the premium and the the priority of uh, of being able to create separation. There will always be a space in the NFL for big receivers that can just right. use their size to their advantage, right? Mm-hmm. But he's athletic and he's fast and he can he can do it all. So I, I really do believe that he is trending up in the right way. Um, I, I'm not the, the uh, who's the other guy you said? Shy you know, Smith. Shy Smith. I'm not I'm not too sure about him, so I, I don't want to lie and say like, oh yeah, watch his film. I, right. I haven't. <laughs> right. But Paris um, Campbell was the guy. Paris Campbell. Yeah, that's the guy. with the Colts. Yeah, he was really important to Wright's scheme. And I wonder if that, you know, they're always talking about trying to replicate that. I do. Oh, I do. Before I, because I lie, I'll keep you here as long as I, I'll milk. I'll, I'll get, I'm getting the most squeeze out of the most juice the from the squeeze. Right. All right. So the thing that blew me away when I went to training camp for the first time and I'm watching it is I hear people talking about, oh, the reps, the practice, the reps, the practice, the reps. And you think when I think of practice, Mm-hmm. I think of doing something like a hundred times over and over again. What blew me away is when I went to my first training camp and it's like, you got one op. It's like, we, all right, we, we just installed that in the offense moving on. It's like <laughs> one go and that's it. And it's like, next, <laughs> next thing. Like I, in my mind, am sitting here going, that's not practice, dude. That's just me trying it the first time. What is 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 there is that like one of the big jumps from the college to the pros? Is that just like you are? It's like, hey, you're either keeping up with it or you're falling behind. Well, think about this. Like you were talking about stress earlier on in the show, right? So think about this for a second. From my perspective, because you know, six round draft pick, I'm not promised anything, right? So my experience in training camp with to go along with what you're saying was but I'm not getting any of those reps until the very end. And if I do get a rep, it's one or two. Yeah. In the first couple of practices and understanding while that's happening, they're still cutting people who are not getting reps. So you got to earn everything you eat. You know what I'm saying? That includes yeah. practice reps. That includes practice reps. We take it for granted. Just like, Oh man, I don't, I don't feel like practicing today. Just having the opportunity to go out there and practice, get a rep and practice. Oh, like, oh, my God, he's going to throw me the ball in seven on seven. So he's going to throw me a pass and practice is amazing. Like, that's that's one of the, the, the biggest trends that like you talk about, the things that, that are totally different from college to the NFL. Like, you take all that stuff for, for, for granted in college because, you know, you, oh, man, I'm a senior. I've been doing this for four years. Oh, we got spring ball. Oh, we got camp. 
I just want the season to get here. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you're used to like, practicing whenever and getting all the reps and all that. It's totally different. Now you have a, a complete whole roster of guys. You're talking about a stacked receiver room. Like, guess what? Like, they're not all going to get the same amount of reps. Like, so yeah, yeah, the bubble is already on the existence before you even take your reps. That's 100%. the other thing that's crazy. When you look at the the size of the roster being 90 to start and the cuts, they really probably know the top 63 people that they're like, or in their mind, they probably have an idea. You know, it's it's gotta be really hard to climb. We've had right. one of my favorite players in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Of all time, I love him, Demir Bird, an undrafted rookie free agent wide receiver who weighs 170 pounds, soaking wet. Chirp, chirp. He's come on the podcast twice. Mm-hmm. I, but he, what I try to tell people, or at least because I know we get, we I, we pick winners and losers, we pick favorites, and he's a favorite of mine for because he's been on the show and you know just a lot when we were just getting started, and. I, but t- to me, what's been so amazing is the fact that he has made it on four different teams. And he's a guy that you expect your, the staff probably thinks is going to get cut every time at the beginning we walk in there. And somehow he finds a way to pierce through all of that. And that's just a crazy opera. It's, it's got to be so hard. Right, because I mean, they know they're only bringing six receivers in. There's right. twelve receivers on the damn in, in camp. Right, there's six that are going to get cut. We know that. And if you're number six, seven, five, six, seven, cut, Lord, every moment counts. Mm-hmm. Um, this was tremendous, Coach Geddes. Uh, you know what? Um, I will one day bug you in the future, but you could, I could promise you, I, I'm I'm doing this long enough. I won't ask. I won't go back to the well too early. But no, man, this, I enjoyed this. This is fun. I, any this any is chance fun. I get to talk football, I'm count me in. I'm I'm awesome. a lifer, so I love this. Love it. This is fantastic. You are right. One of us. One of us. One of us. I love it. <laughs> All right, uh, man. Tell. Can you just give out your? Well, do you, if you would like, you can give out your Twitter handle because I know. Look, as we have over 220 people watching right now, we'll have people that will be tuning in. Uh, over the next few days that are going to be excited about this. And this is the podcast for people that follow the Carolina Panthers to like a ridiculous level where yeah. it's like, wait a minute. You guys, yeah. This is a little unhealthy almost. Uh, <laughs> but they, they're going to, they eat up this kind of stuff, man. And so if you could let them know, maybe they'll check you out or at least when uh, we just thank you again. Thank you so much. Uh, I don't even. I honestly don't even know. Like, oh, I just, <laughs> it's at Coach Geddes. It's at Coach Geddes. Okay, is that it? Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. I I literally just have it just for coaching purposes. I I have no idea. Like so. I figured, you know, I was like, he's got his. I was like, man, I'm gonna sneak in here. I was yeah. like, I know this is in case a damn student has to message him. Oh, man. it's all good. <laughs> I, I, you just deal with that kind of stuff. It, it comes with the territory, but it's all good. Uh, and I enjoyed this. This is awesome. This is amazing. And 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 Thank God you. bless and, and good luck with everything going forward and good good luck to the Panthers on their uh their draft process because that's a, a hell of a decision. That is Thank the you, truth. Baby. Thank you so much. I'm a Coke guy. I'm a Coca-Cola guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Have a great night, Thank Coach Gettis. All right, good night. Holy guys. cow, that was fantastic, man. It's always fun. Always fun when we, you know, um 
kudos to you know i didn't ask him about the track thing he holds the record good he said he still holds it yeah he said um i told you i was gonna get coach Geddes. have i not been talking about david Geddes on this podcast for like one segment right there one segment Fantastic and, get, Tony. Uh, yeah, great get. What that a good interview, too. Bumping, yeah, really man. Good. Everybody loved that. That was Super enjoyable, fantastic. Guys. David yeah. is the man, and we will definitely be having him back on the City 3 Panthers podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what is I'm going to give myself one of uh, anyway. All right. What do we got here? <laughs> Don't forget the numbers 252-228-5098. We want to get your thoughts. The Let's start. Uh, let's get into the meat of you know the latest panthers news opinions and what's been ramping up cody is the great uh the master debate is continued uh to build and build and now it's taken a kind of bizarre turn i don't i don't like i don't trust i want to say i don't trust i don't think that there's any new information you know, I, no, then, there's not. And there was last week. There's I just not. feel I feel like it's an organism. The conversation is an organism, and it just kind of it's ebbing and flowing and growing. And one guy says something, and the next guy kind of builds on that, and then the momentum swings this mm-hmm. way, and then somebody's gonna go, "Well, hey, we've had another GM that said no. This is this." And then 27 podcasts are going to talk about it. And then 27 shows, and it's going to build the conversation. I don't know what has discernibly changed from last week or two weeks ago that makes Bryce Young the clear-cut pick for the Carolina Panthers. Maybe the odds are returning to the mean. Maybe they had swung to C.J. Stroud a little too hard at one point because we saw him – I don't even know why. You know what? It's like, why did they swing to Stroud so much? Part of that living organism of discussion. But I tell you, the Carolina Panthers find themselves, once again, the decider of a very controversial – well, this is great. This is, A, great for the show, great for draft discussion, and exhausting to me. It's exhausting. But right now, Bryce Young has become the odds-on favorite. Darling. To be the number one pick. Tony, I have run this poll in the chat for three weeks now. Just a straight CJ Stroud versus Bryce Young. Week one, CJ, 92%. Week two, CJ, 79%. And this week, just now ended it, CJ, 58%. For some reason, for some reason or another, the the entire fandom is changing. And Tony, I'm, I'm with you. There has been nothing changed since the last time we saw these players played in a, a game. Nice. Nothing has changed at all, period. Nothing. Group think somehow, my- even in the C3 fandom, CJ, uh, CJ backing has gone down in three weeks. So, one, Tony, awesome layout. This is perfect right here. here I got one more, too. Just like, do you like this one better? Mm, I mean, it's either or. Either, either, either one of them okay. works. Works so we well. got to, this but, is a new feature. I was playing with it till I was up so late last night. I got no, 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 this is now. great. So listen, it, I mean, it, it used to be earlier on you know, a few weeks ago, all of the mock drafts and all of the analysts, they all had CJ Stroud connected to the Carolina Panthers. Well, let me tell you what, boys, that is very much not the case anymore. No. Just about every 
uh, media outlet, about every analyst, even the ones that work for the Panthers, are associating the Carolina Panthers with Alabama quarterback Bryce Like Young, who for who the Panthers? Wanted, who for uh, the Dave, Panthers? How about our very own David Newton? Well, David he's Newton not a Panther. That it's going to be Stroud. There have been a lot of people that have said uh, uh, that have said that it's going to end up being Bryce Young, rather. But in my mind, Peter Schrager weighing in on this has really started to move the discussion in another way. Because for those of you who don't know, Peter Schrager, he doesn't break down the film. He doesn't, you know, you look at three-step drops or five-step drops or protection, none of that. He does his mock drafts based on what he has been hearing. And he also says that Bryce Young is the number one in the wheelhouse. And and he said that fairly recently as well. Also, now the betting lines, so much money has come in on Bryce <laughs> that now he's minus 120 to be the yeah, pick for hey. the Carolina Panthers. Uh, C.J. Stroud is at uh, plus 175, and Anthony Richardson at plus 2,000. So, boys. 2,000? Yeah, yeah, so, boys, my question is, is this already a wrap? I mean, they haven't, we'll get to this a little bit later, they haven't met with C.J. Stroud yet. They met with Bryce Young today, um, so they, they had their first interview with Bryce. Is this already over? Is Bryce Young going to be the new quarterback for the Carolina Panthers? Because right now, I, I used to feel like maybe it was a smokescreen to try and get the Houston Texans to move up one spot. But now, I got to be honest, man. I'm kind of believing that where there's smoke, there's fire. I kind of think that the Panthers are in love with Bryce Young right now. I, I don't have any reason to Damn. confirm or deny it. Right. That's the thing is I I don't think well first the betting line all comes about where the money's coming in right so like you're right is like that just means that people that are putting their bets on this have been listening to the radio they've been listening to the news they've been listening to the talk right I don't know how it would behoove the Carolina Panthers to ultimately have made their uh, a crazy firm decision from last week to this week that they wouldn't have made a week earlier. Right. Um, or, or when they made the trade. Yeah. Right? Is that so I think that people have taken a few tidbits of information, a few comments from here, one comment from Fitterer about how good Bryce Young is. I think they've blended this with another thing they've heard and they create a, they they breathe life into a narrative that could be true, but also just is seemingly still largely speculation. Yeah. And I, I mean, I wouldn't doubt, I wouldn't be surprised if Bryce Young was the type of player that they would just say yes. But I just also can see a world where they pick Stroud too. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it is a clear. I think this is a little bit more of a coin toss, a coin flip uh, than people give it credit for. I think the one thing that maybe uh, Bryce Young that uh, that kind of wins with the interviews 
in that this is like you can kind of just see him. He seems like a guy that from the very first day would be able to handle the moment of being a number one pick, the pressure, the right, all of that. It's just like he seems too it's almost too good to be true in a way. Like it's just like, good God. It's that yeah. intangible thing. But well, I think that when I say that too, and when people talk about processing, then this and that, I think it's an unfair slight to CJ Stroud as well. And I, what I mean is this, both people can be very good at processing. Both people mm-hmm. can be very good at leadership. And I will tell you every time I, I haven't, I don't, you know, I don't follow this as closely as some of them other people, but every time I've heard CJ Stroud speak, it's a very thoughtful, diplomatic, honest right. answer. So I don't think the moment would be too big for him either. And so I don't really think any why, – why would it be – first of all, Roger Goodell does not want people to know who the draft pick is. The worst thing that could happen for the NFL is for us to find out who the hell the Carolina pick, Panthers are going to pick at number one Two weeks ahead of time, you want the build, you want the yeah. the excitement, you want the drama. They don't want to leak that information. I would say that the same information we had two weeks is the same information we have today. And you know what? At this time, you're probably you know why the money's moving is because hey, you think Bryce Young's probably winning in interviews. You go, oh, this is where he's going to shine. Just like Anthony Richardson's right. moment was at the combine. Oh, then his name goes crazy, right? Then, like, it just kind of follows these predetermined narratives in a way, which is interesting because now there's this bizarre, bizarre story regarding C.J. Stroud. Yeah, and we're getting into that. Greg, uh, I'm going to let you go up next. I wanted to make sure I didn't forget this. Corey Ruffins uh, with the $2 says, what's up, C3 fam? keep pounding and then after Greg and CK talk about this I actually have a clip from Peter Schrager go ahead Greg just real quick I just want to say like I feel like it it sucks going into the season to this point of I I I don't want to feel bad about drafting Bryce Young you know but because I picked CJ from the beginning and I feel like CJ is better choice there are two reasons that I don't want him one is selfish because I picked him yeah, so I want I want yeah. CJ to win, and two, I don't like number nine. Like it bothers me. That does not look good. That does not look good in a Panthers uniform. Number nine, I cannot buy that jersey and wear it. I'm sorry, number nine doesn't work for me. So I just I don't know, man. It, it I, I I am not going to be disappointed with CJ or excuse me uh, Bryce Young if we get him. I feel like he's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL, and he may be our guy in the future. It's just not the guy I picked. And I'm 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 following through with the guy I picked from the beginning is as uh, CJ Stroud, so we're gonna see what happens. Yeah, CK, but uh, we're gonna go to you next. Let me play this clip real quick yeah. of Peter Schrager talking about uh, Bryce Young. Peter Schrager, prospect seven seven thirty five at the combine. I'm sitting down yep. for an S two test. What is the actual test? Yep. So our test is about 45 minutes in which you you sit in front of a specialized gaming system that was built for, for millisecond precision. 
one of the tests that I think a lot of uh, of companies may use is is object tracking. So how well, how many objects you, you got to broaden your attention and keep track of many moving objects, right? An example of a laboratory based test is you may you may have to track three or four objects for ten or fifteen seconds. And here's where Scott and I got a little bit more sophisticated. Is that's not how football operates, right? You've got to have a, a play is three to five seconds, and so we duplicated with how many objects are on the screen is what a quarterback or a safety is going to have to look at. And we actually measured how quickly DBs and receivers move across the field. And so that's how quickly our balls move across the screen. It's only for three or five seconds, like an NFL play. So we really tried to narrow down the laboratory tests, which may have 10 or 15 balls moving across the screen and you've got to keep track of three of them. Uh, we, we, we push the limits there. We make, we make these defensive backs and these middle linebackers have to track nine objects, right? Cause that might be their life um, within three seconds at the speed in which the game moves. So uh, it's really, it's sports specific in that respect, but it, it is a classic sort of computer-based laboratory test. So that's talking about the S2 test and Bryce Young had the highest S2 test of any player in this year's draft. So when, you know, I, I feel like generational talent, whenever that term gets thrown around, inevitably it's always talking about the six foot five guys with the cannon arms. Right. But I mean, I really do think that you can call Bryce a generational talent as far as his understanding of NFL defenses and, and, and knowing what to do pre and post snap and coverages. To me, it actually is, on on another level and i kind of think that's why you are starting to hear about bryce young being the leader of ck yeah no and and, and that's the thing uh, you know you talk about the group thing i mean i've i've been very much on the I, w- I would say on the fence but on this on the cj stroud side of that fence i'm and i'm starting to come back to where i'm dead center on that fence I am dead center with all of the, even with the, the height part of it coming into, into effect, whatever that may be, like all of those things, I am still dead center. And, and I think that that's, you know, I, I couldn't really pinpoint anything in particular. It's just when you start to, to watch, I've watched the film as, as much as I can without clawing my eyes out from not understanding you know what, what everything is going on because of circumstances with regard to college all that stuff right um but i mean the dude just uh, he he's he wins me over in his interviews he wins me over on on the field um I, I've he's just gonna been, have great commercials yeah he's gonna great. have he's great commercials i didn't even think about that <laughs> fair enough right but i mean at the end of the day i mean it's it all boils down to whether or not he's going to be successful in the NFL. And, and um, I don't think that I'm going to be paid nearly enough to be able to make that type of a choice. So I'm going to respect the guys who do. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm, I am not going to be angry with the idea of adding uh, any of these guys, uh, either of these guys, I should say, uh, to the Panthers. I'm, um, when I, if I were to, th- let me ask you guys, um, and honestly, if you, on draft night, the Panthers pick comes across the board. They say CJ Stroud or they say Bryce Young. What is going to make you feel more excited? That the draft is over. Neither. Neither is going to. I'm going to have. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm going to be excited that we just have the player because yeah. I don't have a real horse in the race. 
No. Right. It's like it's like what uh, Coach sure. Geddes was saying is pep, Pepsi and Coke. What I have a problem with is kind of fans taking ownership of like, not pre- man, I don't want to tell people how to fan. That's not what I, it's like uh, you're dumb for thinking differently right. than I think. And that just irritates me. I've said from the beginning, I'm not going to change my opinion on this right now because I don't have any other reason to. Right. I think CJ Stroud is the pick. But if I'm wrong, I don't care if he's not. I, it's like, I guess the only right. thing I would care is that if we did something really risky, I would be very, like if you went Anthony Richardson or something like crazy and it just changed, I wouldn't even be mad. I would just be really kind of un- uneasy in a way. I'm disappointed. Yeah, it's just like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. But either way, I'm going to go. I'm not going to be messaging people if it is CJ Stroud and being like, told you it was CJ. I don't really, is that I'm going to hope the best for Bryce Young. I just don't think it is absurd to question if uh, Young's size and stature should be a thought about and be a a conversation. Can I throw one more wrench into this? I mean, I know we're talking about the size. Do you know the weight difference between those two guys? 25 pounds? 10 pounds. No, 10 pounds. I think, isn't he 215? 210. So it's, it's a little I mean, bit of 10 pounds of muscle. So is, a lot of people feel like. 10 pounds of muscle is a lot. No, it's not well, muscle if he's, high, if he's taller. If you look at their builds, they are very similar size from a but build perspective. That, but that doesn't mean it's not muscle. Yes, it does. Taller. Yeah, it does. It means if he's that means more, his muscles are bigger, so it probably is muscle. Well, it's it's not more muscle from a density perspective. It might be more muscle from a I need more muscle to be able to lift my arm up. Well, but, look, here's okay. the truth yeah. of it. CJ has CJ has more real estate to put more future muscle That's, mass be on. The argument. Yes. right, because he is six foot three. And yes, he's 10 pounds heavier, but even that's also right. a little bit of a caveat because more than likely Bryce Young put on a lot of water weight to make sure that he was above yeah, 200 like 10 pounds. pounds. Yeah, they at say the, his playing weight is 190. Yeah, his, his, his playing weight is normally between 190 to 195. Um, and uh, CJ Stroud, Ohio State coaches have said that during the season, he will play and did play at upwards of 220 pounds. So I kind of felt like CJ lost a little bit of weight right. um, pre- preparing for this combine. Um, but you know what, man? It doesn't it, it doesn't bother me, man. Like to me, in but when it, it doesn't bother to, you, but it is a worthy conversation, Cody. To it's have. a worthy conversation because, to have. 100%. Because you can say it's just 10 pounds, you can say it's just two inches, but I'm there's a big difference between being six one and five eleven. There is a big difference between being 250 and 225, right? And I'm not saying that what, again, the CJ Stroud is literally head and shoulders above Bryce Williams, but I'm not saying like, is that is Bryce Williams, Bryce Young, uh, (laughs) who's Bryce Williams. I don't even know who Bryce Williams. I think he's a former few pirate. Um, The point that I'm trying to make is this, is that you can't deny that that's how about this is then why does it matter why do we even measure them any of them then if it doesn't matter at all why the fuck did we have the measurements in the first place why is it that all of a sudden in one category you can find a guy that runs a 40 time 
by a right. tenth of a second more, or whatever, a half a hundredth of a second more. And you're like, oh my God, this is the fa-. and then you With change no your whole right yeah. and you change all of this, but then you just have this is that everybody is big and fast in the NFL. Certainly, we're not saying his game is going to be predicated on running. He's not going to be like Mike Vick or something. We're not worried about his slight frame uh, uh, undermining his uh, game translating. What we're just trying to say is that the big boys, it's just you need, you like, what are the odds? Are the odds ultimately in your favor? They show that one clip, Cody, of uh, I think it was Josh McCown talking about his strength and his core strength and how he like broke through these arm tackles and things. And you just wonder, man, what happens when he gets TJ Watt? And then you could say the same thing for CJ Stroud. People be like, well, that happened to camp. I understand all of those things, but we don't let high school kids go play in college. Like, uh, I mean, at some point, I mean, well, you know, yeah, do you see like at yeah. some point it has to matter somewhat. There's you know, always he, an outline. Go ahead, Greg. Here's the thing. And this is the problem with life and people with life is there are rules you have to follow. Okay. And the rules are with the NFL being big and fast. Okay. There are always anomalies to the rules. You can't change the rules based on the anomalies. Period. This is what you can't. CK's been saying for well, a while. You can't change the rules based on the anomalies. And this is the way life goes, too. You cannot change life rules based on the way th- certain little things go. And like the NFL is the same way. There are instances where short quarterbacks have been successful. But I want somebody to juxtapose that next to short quarterbacks being unsuccessful. What if we, what what if we that put that it is, this way, you know? Cody, for you? What if we just said this is his size is not an advantage? No, listen. What if we just say that it's just not an advantage? It's like being in the NF, being in the NBA, being five foot nine is not an advantage. Doesn't mean you can't be right, bugs bugs or something. Right, right, but but that's what I'm saying. At some point, you have to look at the talent level of a player like a Muggsy Bow and say, yeah, you know what? I don't care that he's super short. This guy has special traits and abilities, that you have to capitalize. But hold on, Greg, because I want to push back on something that you said. Listen, there has never been a quarterback six foot to win a Super Bowl until Drew Brees did it. Then there was never a quarterback 5'11 that won the Super Bowl until Russell Wilson did it. So there's always going to be outliers that exist outside of the normal framework of what you want from a traditional pocket quarterback. But at the same time, imagine how much egg the Carolina Panthers would have on their face if they did uh, uh, pass on drafting Bryce Young. And he goes on to be this incredible young player that has the ability to do all the things that he did in college in the NFL. I, I, I think it, it, it's, you say it's the same if they passed on Stroud. It, it, that's right, but it's reasonable. It's case. reasonable yes. to be concerned about it. But if you see a bunch of talent and if you think that you're able to put the right kind of offensive line around him, that's going to be able to protect him for the next five years, then I don't think that it should be enough to frighten you off of making that pick. Okay. So, Cody, I want to ask you, I'm five, seven and a half. I can, I can throw the ball pretty good. Like, I'm not going to say I'm great, but I can throw the ball pretty good. Like, you see me do 10 plays that I pick with elite wide receivers 
that oh, are that, oh, with God. no defense. This is not a good example. No defense. No, it is, it is good. It's good. Okay. <laughs> Would you bet on me or the guy who does the same thing as me at 6'3"? Would you bet your paycheck on me or that guy? Almost that's the exact really, same thing. It, but that's but not a good example, though. It is the example. It's the exact I mean, same example. I understand why you would want the upside. And I've, I've said on this channel, I do believe that CJ Stroud has the bigger arm uh, between the two of them. And I love CJ Stroud's ball placement and accuracy as well. So I, I understand that argument, though. But, I, you know, to me, Bryce Young... If you're ever going to draft a quarterback that size, well, it would be for a player that can make plays and do things like a Bryce Young can. For a and you the, think my can last place, you think can make plays. Like I said, go back and look at it. His best season is not better than than uh, Baker Mayfield's. Yeah, but Baker Mayfield came from a rudimentary spread offense that never saw him under Rudimentary? Center. Yeah, they came from a spread. They came from the spread. They were running mesh concepts all the time. So he was, it, it was more that a pro spread offense than it was the same reason. It was the same reason why Patrick Mahomes was devalued coming out of Texas Tech. So you're saying he was in a offense. more pro offense than, than Bryce Young is, had the same. No, other way around. But no, 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 no. Bryce Young had better all had better or had similar numbers in a far more pro style offense. Yeah, because a, he, and he's going to be trained up by like right. uh, he was trained okay. up by NFL coordinator. Yes, Bill, Bill O'Brien so was his offensive coordinator. And another differentiating factor between those two quarterbacks, Greg, is the amount of control that they gave Bryce Young over that Alabama offensive line. He okay. was making checks at the line of scrimmage, calling protection, literally doing all the things that NFL quarterbacks have to do. That's why he's so advanced in years above okay. his age, and that's why he's being talked about the way that he is right now. Get out it. Miss me with that rudimentary stuff, man. Lincoln Riley, nobody was saying, you know, uh, uh, Nick Saban wasn't calling it rudimentary when he encouraged Jalen Hurts to go to Oklahoma and win a damn Heisman with with Lincoln Riley. And look at what Jalen Lincoln Riley is a quarterback whisper man. He's like the Kyle Shanahan of college football well, when it comes to that friendly offense, and it doesn't yeah. require it doesn't require a lot of the quarterback. A lot of it is RPOs, second and first reads, yeah. Yeah. and and a lot a lot of stuff that doesn't directly translate to the NFL, and and the that's thing, that's not the same with Bryce. Let's go on to shout, and that I guess I, I guess this is where I'm kind of holding back. Is I love what people are saying. I also uh, when it comes to Bryce Young and I'm gonna that go off on this in a minute that ability. But the thing is, is that I don't feel like it would be one thing if we're comparing Bryce Young to Anthony Richardson. Yeah, right. Is like oh the difference, like the potential versus the polish. But I think that. CJ Stroud is pretty damn polished as well, though. I do too. I do That's too. That's my and point. Is that like I don't think that uh, I, I just don't think it's like the most insane drop off from Young to Stroud. Well, listen, the devaluation process is going hot and heavy right now. And Who's listen, doing I'm this, gonna, Indy? I'm, uh, listen, I'm going to have to borrow Greg's tinfoil hat and put it on my big-ass head tonight because I'm telling you, there is a smear campaign currently running against my guy, C.J. Stroud, and I think it's bullshit, man. I think it's the same thing that happened 
to uh, Justin Fields a few years ago where teams were trying to get him to fall. So now all these narratives are coming out of nowhere Mm -hmm. that as a quarterback prospect, you have no way to defend yourself against some of these accusations. And to show you all kind of what I'm talking about, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but this is a small clip of Mike Lombardi talking about the discussion going on around C.J. Stroud. Everybody just assumes that Houston's taking the quarterback. C.J. Stroud's an interesting guy. When you talk to people in the league, they'll tell you C.J. Stroud is not, this is not a knock. This is just a, this is just a conversation. Not an easy guy to coach. Kind of, kind of, you know. How in the hell is that not a knock? Right. Play the rest. Well, of, okay. it, it's like whenever you start a conversation uh, with, I don't, I think I, no the offense, but. Use is he's very yeah. not believing in what you're saying. Look at that. So I wonder, I don't trust this guy right so away. Like he, co- yeah. I, I, Rewind I, I, it. He said, there, I think there's one word and then, then he just makes this shit he, up. He's very, uh, I think the word that people use is he's very not believing in what you're saying. And so he's got that's not a word. word. That's a word, a dumbass. Oh my god. A little dude. bit challenging to coach. So it's not like he comes in and embraces it. It's a little bit. This he's got that. a little bit different they style. Is that where it's like un- he thinks he knows better? He thinks he knows situation? a little bit better. Okay. This is unethical. Hard to kick to coach it. I, this is unethical, you, right? You know here. what? I'm not even playing the rest of this shit. I'm sorry. Listen, if you want to find it, go find it on Twitter, dude. But listen, to me, this is like none of that stuff. He can actually defend himself against. Now you're assuming things about his character that have literally never, ever been mentioned or ever said before by any of his coaches, either in high school or college. He's getting ready to go into the NFL, and all of a sudden, now he's not coachable. Now uh, He's on the Colts payroll, dude. Now he thinks he knows better than (laughs) everyone else. Dude, call me a conspiracy theorist all you want, but I guarantee you, man, this is either the Colts or the Raiders yeah. or some other dirtbag dumpster fire football team that is trying to tank Falcons draft stock. And I frankly think that is bullshit, man. And I think it's unfair. And I think all CJ Stroud fans should have a right to be upset about this. Yeah, I think it's unethical. Um, what do we got next? So, yeah, now we have some of the visits. Uh, that are going on for the Carolina Panthers. We might have to go back to the other one for a minute, Tony. I okay. can barely read it from, from that perspective. Um, so right now we're going to go through all of the picks that we currently know that the Panthers have visited with uh, in some shape or fashion. Uh, for, for the quarterbacks, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, we knew that. We've met with running back Zach Evans, wide receiver Xavier Gibson, Charlie Jones, Jonathan Mingo, Jackson Smith and Jigba. That was CJ Stroud's dude. Steve Avila, Anthony Bradford. Those last two were offensive linemen. Um, for edge rushers, BJ Ojolari out of LSU is someone that the Panthers have met with. That's a very exciting uh, prospect, potentially at uh, number 39. Linebacker, bumper pool, cornerback, Julius Brents, Joey Porter Jr. Uh, maybe the top corner from this year's class. Um, and then local visits that don't count against our top 30 is O-line Nick Saldaviri and O-line Chandler uh, Zavala. So right now, 
judging based on uh, what we're looking at, it seems as though there is an offensive uh, priority amongst the Panthers front office looking to bring in a lot of offensive help. Was Zay Flowers on the list? Um, he did, he does have a meeting, but he was not on this list. But I, I, I want to say that he was. I, I, I'm gonna look that up real quick. I'm interested. Yeah, what we're watching this is you know that all of the, um, I wonder why the Panthers. I guess it, I mean, I are they trying to just show that they're being thorough by meeting with Will Levis, Anthony Richardson? Is there any case where they could find? a reason to to pick one of the I just don't think it's outside of Bryce. I mean, I would be floored and shocked if it's not Stroud or Young. Just can't see it happening. And I'm telling you, crazy red flag. That watching that video of him eat the banana with the peel on is mm. it's unsettling, dude. Lavis. It's yeah, it's unsettling. I call I him thought, a mayonnaise monster. Yeah. That's what it, it is. He's the mayonnaise monster. All right. All right. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll be excited. Don't forget uh, that we'll be having the 10th annual live draft party where we will be waiting and watching. And then um, it turns out that while we are guaranteed to have that Thursday night show, generally the excitement from fans gets us up here watching some of the other rounds at some point. We just don't always commit to the exact times because of how big that party is and how many obligations there are. What's next in the show, Cody? Yeah, so oh, up yeah. next. I can do it. Uh, uh, no, we got it. Uh, up next on the docket. Uh, you, uh, so, look, kudos to Tony. He he had himself a viral tweet, man. Two of them. I got two the, of them. Yeah, man. So uh, why don't you break this down uh, for uh, for our listeners? So I just put out what could be considered. In fact, it's not even just my list. It's just a top 10 list. Um, Because it's like I, one is like, how objectively do you make the list? How much is fan base? How much is their time in Carolina? There's so many quantify like things to consider because like, I, I think that Julius Peppers has had an even better career than Steve Smith in the NFL. Like, I mean, I think he's first ballot. So, like, I think, but I get Steve Smith did almost all of it in Carolina. I really really see the argument for being Steve Smith being uh, the top player. A lot of people didn't like that Cam was down on this list, and I guess that Luke was above him. Um. I thought this is like, as I was thinking about that, cause I'm a cam guy. Like I kind of, it's like, it's Julius Peppers and Cam Newton are my two favorite Carolina Panther players of all time. Um, but people are like, Oh, Luke didn't do it for very long. Arguably cam didn't either. You know, is oh, yeah. that like, is that really did cam do it any longer Technically, one more season, but he had just as many injuries as Luke did. The difference, I think, between the two is, and and this is no knock on Cam, but Luke was largely considered the best quarter linebacker in the league for the majority of his career. Cam Newton had one year of people believing he was the best quarterback. Uh, Yeah, and I don't even know if they said he was the best. He just they would say he had the best season. Yeah, yeah. 
So, I mean, and that's, again, I want to make this clear. That is not a knock on Cam Newton as a whole. He was clearly a great uh, player for us. Um, but I think it is fair to say that Luke was probably a better Carolina Panther from the perspective of being the best at his craft for a longer period of time. People get visceral over these lists, though, Cody. And thankfully, I I didn't get, I didn't let it bother me. Not that I really wasn't. Um, But there was a bunch of names. People would say, they would say like four more names from Jonathan Stewart to Chris Gamble to Jake DeLome. I think Jake DeLome's got to be on this list. And I think so, that really is, unfortunately, is the the bystander here is Mike Minner. You got to think about who to push out of the list. But you can't push DeLome, Stu, and Gamble all into the list because then it pushes out too many players. Well, how about this? How about we do a poll? What do fans think – or who – who do you guys yeah. think had a, a better list? Because since Tony well, did it, I felt inclined. And yeah, then Greg, then you can tell me what, uh, tell me yours. This was my list that I put up on Twitter. And again, I, I told everybody, if you don't like mine, make your own. I had Cam Newton, Luke Kickley, Steve Smith, Julius Peppers, Greg Olson, Thomas Davis, Jake DeLome, Jonathan Stewart, Jordan Gross, and Ryan Khalil, because to me, like those guys are the names that I think about first when when talking about the Carolina Panthers. So I, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of different ways that you can look at this. Um, to me, Cam's my number one just because I love him, man. I wouldn't be a fan of the Panthers if not for Cameron Jarrell Newton. So I have to pay respect and homage to my guy is. But uh, go ahead, Greg. Well, I was just going to say, based on y'all's two polls there, uh, you know, I have the my opinion of the two, of, of course, but uh, from what I can see, I need to make a poll between Jake DeLome, uh, Chris Gamble, Thomas Davis, and who is the last guy that was controversial? Mike Mentor. Mike, Mike Mentor. Mentor. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a poll. I don't think Jonathan right Stewart. I don't think Jonathan Stewart should be on the list. And I'm he's not the trying. To, I don't think, he's the all-time he rushing yard leader. I understand, I understand that. I understand that he ha- he is. But that would be like saying because you had the most tackles in team history, you should be ahead of Luke Keekley or something. I mean, he's but the if best your job is to tackle, then yes, you should. All right, he but never – all right, so tackle, here's the yeah. thing is that he – in a first we know this is that he – there's two running backs in team history that had better seasons than Jonathan Stewart. Stephen Davis – in 2003, he had 1,600 rushing yards, the most single season, though. Yeah, yeah, but well, he did it. He did two, three 1,000 yard seasons with the team, but he had the greatest single rushing season, just rushing. Then you have Christian McCaffrey with the thousand thousand. So I'm not saying I'm not trying to. I'm just saying this is that like it's like John Casey has like the most points in the history of like football, almost or some shit like that. Like I mean, he kicked. For a billion years, even after we released him, he still went on to kick for like four years and be really good. He had one play that's iconically bad. Um, I mean, I'm not mad if Jay Stu's on the list. I get it. But at the same time, I think he's a bubble guy. I think Mentor's a bubble guy. I think Gamble's a bubble guy. I think Khalil. I don't think Khalil should really be on it. 
baby. Why is the best dude? In my okay. opinion, no, if, you, if, if you can make the argument that they were one of the best at that positions on the history of this team, then I think they deserve to be on the list. I, I made but the argument that I made the argument that Jonathan Stewart is the best running back in the history of the Carolina Panthers. I'm sorry, he did. I'm not going to fight it over it. He had the most yeah. rushing yards. I, I think JC was incredible, and he was a wrecking ball for the time that that he was here. And and my only argument right now, honestly, is like the Mike Minter part. Like while I love Mike Minter, Mike Minter yeah. at best was a number two wide receiver in the NFL. No, he was a, a fantastic safety. wide receiver. Safety. He but was a safety. Best, you're not. Sorry, you're, not you're thinking. I'm thinking about Musa Muhammad. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. At best, a number two wide receiver. Uh, great wide receiver, and I love him, but he would have never been a number one on any other team. He was number one on our team. All right, let's go to the next. Well, you know, he was he played a long time in the league. Um, yeah, yeah, but he wasn't a, a number great, one anywhere. No, uh, well, yes, he, you know, one thing he's number one in is the longest catch in Super Bowl history. Still holds that okay. record. Uh, okay. Longest touchdown catch, should I say? Uh, let's go to the next one. This one again. Now, this you want to talk about getting people pissed off, Cody. <laughs> yeah. This one sent them to I, a different universe. I don't even see how it's controversial. <laughs> like, I, this I, is I'm, why I'm, because people don't like Ted Ginn, and I'm one of those so people. Dumb. I'm it's one so of dumb, those dude. people, and I am working. I've been working very hard and long. I got this uh, article that is coming out. I'm I'm probably three quarters of the way through. And it is titled The Sad Story of Ted Ginn Jr. and the Carolina Panthers. And what I wanted to, I brought this up. People thought that I was making an argument that he should be a t- the number four receiver. What I am trying to argue in this, or this a question, this is a thought experiment right here, because somebody asked me who had the better career. And this was a long time ago. I went and started looking at it. And I was like, damn, Ted Ginn has actually been better than I gave him credit for in some cases. He's been in the league for a while. He's made a difference, right? Ted Ginn Jr. Um, is like kind of neck and neck in yards. It's really this. The Carolina Panthers wide receiver history is this. It's Steve Smith at 14,000 yards. It's Dang Masim Muhammad at 9,000 yards. And then it's Greg Olson. And DJ, like, and then the list, it just falls off a cliff for yardage. (laughs) Yeah. Devin Funches has more yards than Ted Ginn Jr. and touchdowns. Kelvin Benjamin, right? So there's all of these things. All I could say is this is there is a realistic world where Ted Ginn Jr. is a top five all time Panther or wide receiver. And I only count the years they played in Carolina because people say Ricky Pro. Then they go Mark Carrier, and these are players that have very good careers. Their notoriety largely came from outside of Carolina, though, not while they were here. You could say Keyshawn Johnson played for the Carolina Panthers. Again, though, right? Like no, his best season, uh, his best season of his career was in a Carolina Panthers uniform in 2015. His second best season in yards was he had one good one with the saints, but he had three pretty good year, decent years with the Carolina. You could even argue Brandon LaFell. My whole point of bringing this up is that it got so many people upset. And that's the whole point I'm trying to make Mm -hmm. is that I have been going through Cody, every team in the NFL 
And right now, I cannot find a team that has a worst, worst wide receiving history I than can. the Carolina Panthers. Really? Even, there's an argument that the Jacksonville Jaguars have had as equally. Jimmy uh, uh, Jimmy Smith was on a trajectory that was very close to Steve Smith. He had said, like, there are always, it's just when we get to four and five. I thought it would be the Bears. Even then, when it comes to yards, the Panthers have never been able to find an answer outside of Steve Smith and Masin Muhammad. And part of my article, guys, is that I really think this is why some of the emotion of the DJ Moore trade came up is because he is really... I mean, I think there's an argument that he wasn't even that great in some ways, but he's the consensus number three. It goes this. It goes uh, Steve Smith, Masin Muhammad, DJ Moore, and then we argue about four, five, and six. I I mean, I just don't see what other person you can more reliably put ahead of Ted Kent Jr. And yeah, I can already hear people, oh, you're a newer fan, Cody. You don't remember. No, no. Lauren I mean, Hayes, we got to say Carolina the name. Panthers. Listen, I don't give a shit. I think that when you look, but, yeah. but when, no, you that's look exactly when, right. when you look at those years between, you know, 2000, what, 13 to 16, 17, or uh, 16, uh, Ted Kent Jr. is responsible for some of the most electric deep ball receptions. Yep. In the history of the Carolina Panthers. And we're not going to take away that out of two times that the Panthers went to the Super Bowl, in one of those seasons that they did, Ted Ginn was the best receiver on our entire team that year. And if you want to say that as a testament to how good that season was for Cam Newton, yeah, that's right, you should. But that alone... You cannot ever take that away from Ted Ginn Jr. And to me, that enough is deserving of him being the number four on this list. No, I, I don't disagree with you because I can't think of three guys above him, to be surely honest with you, because we have a very, very, very bleak history with Carolina Panthers wide receivers. Um, but I mean, even his best year wasn't like a number one, like top wide receiver. Nah, he wasn't year. even great. So, that's so the sad part of this story, Greg. Yeah, that's yeah. Um God, I forgot. The There's one player who played in fewer games than Ginn. So all the players that had more yards than Ginn played more games. Uh, all the players that, that people are going to list that should have been better, Mark Carrier, um, Pro, but whatever, is that even if they had the guys that had more yards than him, Devin, they, um, they either played in more games or had less touchdowns. Curtis Samuel is up there. He even played more. Curtis Samuel wow. played in more. Curtis Samuel played in more games than Ted Ginn Jr. for the Carolina Panthers. There's only wow. one player who had uh, more yards than Ginn and fewer. It's actually embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's the sad story I'm trying to get across. Is that it's not. This is not a hit piece. I even it's write not it a high in the bar. Order. Yeah, it's not a high is bar that across. the yeah. fact that we're arguing? that there's an argument that Ted Ginn Jr. could be the number four receiver and he was average at best is, is horrendous. Mm. Kelvin Benjamin yeah. played in fewer games than Ted Ginn Jr. Had more yards than Ted Ginn Jr. And only had one <laughs> less touchdown. Yeah. Only yeah, one less touchdown. Those. You are talking about names. Here is the thing that I'm trying to get to you guys. 
is that there are legitimate arguments to be made that the top five, four or five receivers in NFL history, uh, Panthers history, care account Brandon LaFell, Ted Ginn Jr., Kelvin Benjamin, and even Devin Funches. This is when it gets, and this is quote, this is when it gets really depressing. I don't yeah. want this to be a hit piece on Ginn, but the simple fact that his name is in contention for a top five wideout means a lot. The only consensus outside the top three is mediocrity. Agreed. That's the only Agreed. consensus because people are going to say Mark Carrier. They're going to say Ricky Pro, but Ricky Pro had less yards, less touchdowns in Carolina blue. I'm not talking about, and here's the thing is that guess who really the third receiver in Panther history is? Keyshawn Greg Olson. Well, no, like, yeah. and I just, I had to admit, <laughs> I, uh, I omitted. Tight end. But you really yeah. have Greg Olson and Wesley Walls have more yards than mm. all of those other guys. If you're <laughs> looking at other positions, sad. if you're looking at other positions, how about Christian McCaffrey? Yeah. Pretty damn good receiver for the right. Carolina well, Panthers. I, I will push back on what you were saying earlier about Carolina having the worst offense or worst wide receiver core in, in their existence. That's not true. Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens have had the worst wide receiver core in the existence of the hey, franchise. Is that true? Yeah, it is see. true. Look it up. They have never drafted up. a thousand yard wide receiver. Here, I can never. show you this. Is that so. here is the all right? So, Greg, I understand you say that, but here I'm going to show you. They had Derek Mason, who had five thousand seven hundred yards. Did they draft him. It doesn't matter. This is only in games that he played for the Ravens. Okay, right. So it doesn't mean. So he was a Raven. He got. 5,700 yards and 29 touchdowns. Uh, Todd Heap's a tight end. Both of them, they're very similar to us. Is uh, uh, He played from 2005 to mm. 2010. He killed it. Derek Mason was all a beast. Todd Heap and Mark Andrews are their third, second and third, which is Torrey Smith had 3,500. Mark Clayton had 3,100. Yeah. Uh, Ray uh, Quadri. So they are the well, ones. Yeah. They're the very close... Uh, even Steve Smith, think about this, is Steve Smith is 11th in receiving yards for their team mm -hmm. as a receiver. <laughs> like, that's insane. He only played two seasons with them. I thought some yeah. people said this, the one other, and I'll give you guys this one too, and I'll just show you this. I'm going to show you some of the research that I was doing is this. I suppose, somebody said the Bears. I did too. I thought, man, it's got to be the Bears. It's got to be the Jags. Let me hear. I'm going to share this screen real quick and just show you. And then I'll show you the Panthers numbers, too, real quick. And that is, what is that ad? Loom Deo. At first, right. I thought it was some Depends or something. I know. What, I was like, what, what, is she what is she doing? It's deo butt deodorant. Get that Karen uh, out of here. <laughs> God, I can't. Oh, here. Mike Dick is where I start. Um, actually. Wide receiver. See, Alshon. Alshon kill was pretty good for them. Uh, Curtis Conway had more yards than Ginn, than Funches, than LaFell. Touchdown. So, like, Curtis Conway had a better career in Chicago than LaFell, Funches, Samuel, Benjamin. All of those four names, four or five names. Um, you get down Allen Robinson. So you have their numbers are they might not be head and shoulders are better. I just want to show you. Look, is like uh, Carolina real quick, and they're just sad. This is just a sad, sad 
story mm. here, and that is career receiving leaders. Is look at this. Yeah, it better. is right. It's twelve thousand. So he had fourteen thousand if you count his time in Baltimore. This is only in Carolina. So it's head and shoulders. Steve Smith, Masim Muhammad. We're going to omit Greg Olson. Look, then it goes DJ Moore consensus, right? 21 <laughs> touchdowns, 5,200 yards. But then you're talking about Mark Carrier, 2,500 yards, 13 touchdowns. Kevin Benjamin, 2,400 yards, 18 touchdowns. LaFell, 2,300 yards, 13 touchdowns. Funches. Now, people are going to say, look, they all have more yards. But look at the games played. 47 okay. versus 53. 61 versus 47. 57, right, is Benjamin is the only one that was putting up comparable numbers over a three-year season. I think there's an argument, hey, if you don't like top four, would you say he's in the top six? And that, guess what? This is a sad, sad song. That's all I'm trying to make the point of. It is not a defense of, of, of Ted Ginn Jr. because there is nobody harder on Ted Ginn Jr. than this guy, because in an anecdote of this stories guy, I remember I was watching the Miami's the look and I'll show you the story I'm working on. I got it going. This is like, I've been working hard on this. Cody is the sad story. This is the behind the scenes. Look of what we're doing. What I'm doing here <laughs> is this, but look is uh, so I've got, I've got some stats coming, but here is what I'm talking about. I remember this like yesterday in 2013, I was at a sports bar talking to a friend about how Speedy Ginn, uh, how the Speedy Ginn had the potential to jumpstart the Carolina Panthers offense. Carolina happened to be playing the Dolphins that day. He had a big punt return, like a 40-yard. He showed off his speed. I was like, oh, we needed this. This is 2012. And a Miami fan sitting close by overheard the conversation and leaned in and simply stated, he's got stone hands. He wasn't trying to be mean, perhaps a bit direct, but he was only being honest. He was right. Ginn finished that day, by the way, with three catches for 11 yards on 10 targets. Oh. <laughs> he, oh, he was man. maddening. There might not be another player in the league who had so much potential when it came to size and speed and was so maddeningly. Would just, it was almost in his head. It was like wide open, clunk. Yeah. It was in his hand. I mean, like, that was one of the things I wanted to say. I mean, um, if we want to talk about Ted Ginn, I mean, we've got to talk about the amount of times Cam Newton, we had to defend him because his numbers looked bad. And we had to say, well, he had 15 drop passes by yeah, his receivers. Yeah. And Ted Ginn, re- on a regular basis, would end up on and Deion Sanders' little segment of, come on, man. Like, or, uh, who was it? Was, was, was it Dion that did that? I don't know. It was somebody like that. Yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure. I thought it was Carter, Chris Carter. No, um, yeah, you, anyway. I, it was it was that. But I think Dion had another one too. That was like he would he would he would have one that was about um the the good stuff, but he'd also do like those bonehead plays and like it was all like Ted Ginn was regularly featured there because it made Cam Newton like he wasn't an accurate quarterback. Yeah. So uh, look, let's hope this next generation of Panthers football oh, I know. gives us gives us some better. It's only one receivers. way. Oh. And uh, and hey, I think right now we're moving in the right direction. But uh, let's move on. Uh, so the Panthers just recently signed 
uh, defensive tackle, John Pennessy. All right, dude. Uh, position defensive tackle. Pennessey. Oh, that's a hard right, name. John, one. John, that's a hard John, name. John Pennessey. Okay, Penisini. cool. Oh, that uh, was good. Played uh, uh, with Utah, six foot two, three hundred and thirty-five pounds. He's a big guy in the middle, and I think that this is uh, going to be somebody that they'll sub in to play that zero tech to put right in the middle of our defensive line, sub out Derek Brown, and, and, and just really be that run stuffer in the middle uh, that I think the Panthers are going to be looking for. Uh, to me, I think he's a solid depth piece. Um, do you boys have anything uh, you want to say about John Pennessy? It's... Another wow. one of these, you know, uh, third tier, you know, style of players that might be a good depth piece, but um, it's not one that's moving the needle for me from an excitement standpoint. So uh, coming from Detroit, right? And uh, the one thing I heard is this: he's only twenty five, but I heard that he came out of retirement. <laughs> like, I was like, I, I, uh, so look, is you know what? Is we're signing some bodies to try to make this uh, three four work right now. I think that's what we're seeing right now is that some of these some of these players are linked somehow these defensive coaches or these offensive coaches have some sort of belief in these guys that they're going to be helpful in filling out their transition because I feel like the offensive lineman we brought in from like Denver or something like that fits that it's like you know it's just like they 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 see something in these guys that could help um, and, and, you know, maybe you got to just have uh, camp bodies. What's next? Yeah, so next up, Eric Rowe uh, was signed to the Carolina Panthers to be that veteran presence, came from the Miami Dolphins. Um, a lot of our fans, G-Baby included, shout out G, is very high on some Eric Rowe. He's a veteran presence in the secondary. What do you think Eric Rowe uh, is going to be for the Carolina Panthers, and, and what does his presence on this roster mean? This is one of those really important signings to me, and I and, and I know. Look, is look is like uh, I wrote this and put it on the website, and it's, you got to you know you're just churning content out. You're trying to you know fill in the gaps. We talk about everything. We want all of these acquisitions to be great. Where you know, kind of, we want Thielen to be great. We want right. all of this, but. If you think back in the years that we have really seen the Carolina Panthers make a transition from pretty good to better or from worse to better, they've brought in some veteran players that are able to contribute more than people give them credit for in some ways. If you think of 2013, I think of Mike Mitchell coming um, from the Oakland Raiders and becoming a really important strong strong safety for our team, a guy that had so much so high it was almost like he wasn't ever bad in the league it was just that all of the hype and the potential like he never lived up to the hype and the potential so he really filled out well at carolina a guy that you were talking about on your embrace the debate show uh on monday cody kirk mm -hmm. coleman is a guy that came in oh you, you mentioned kirk coleman that year an unsung hero that 2015 season when kirk yeah. coleman came in we watched that clip from him and uh, coming from the Eagles where he got blasted by, I forget the running back, he got lit and he comes out bleeding and all of this. So he was kind of like an internet joke. And then he was like a good all around player, a peanut Tillman, a um, think of mm -hmm. 
Um, and I'm not trying to say Rose on the level of this Roman Harper, but guys that what I like about this is I think that Eric Rowe, his versatility is going to be important right now. People believe he's coming in to be a potential backup safety. But what I think is this is he's fast enough. He's experienced enough. We have concerns on the, uh, at the cornerback position and the concerns have a lot to do with health. The health of Dante Jackson, the health of um, J.C. Horn. We have kind of concerns about how is Xavier Woods is he getting right? Is I feel like this is a guy who's going to be like if we need you to play the slot for the next month, you can play the slot. If you're going to play safety, you're going to play the safety. And I think that he's a good guy that could step in, and that versatility is going to be important. Uh, particularly because nothing ever goes as planned, guys. It never does. Uh, it never does. And, and But, you know, I've noticed that all the signings the Panthers have made, uh, a lot of these lesser-named guys, they've all been three, four specific guys. So uh, with uh, John, the Panisca guy we were talking about, you can tell he's going to be a nose tackle right in the middle of our D-line. Uh, now that we're in the three, four, there's going to be a lot of times where we're going to have five defensive backs on the field. And I agree with Matt knows nothing that big nickel is going to be a very important part of our team now. And to me, that's what Eric Rowe is. He's going to be over the slot receivers, trying to cover the middle of the field, stop those in breaking slants. And that's kind of going to be his job. And even then, to be honest, I could see him being more of a rotational guy in that. Right. Because now, Look how many mouths we have to feed, man. We have J.C. Horn. Uh, whether you love him or hate him, we still have C.J. Henderson on the team. They're not giving up on him yet. Uh, you have Dante Jackson. Nobody wants to hear from Keith Taylor's ass ever again, but sadly enough, we probably will. Yeah. So at, at, at a certain point, uh, you're going to have to be able to substitute guys in at, at a moment's notice. And I think that's what Eric Rowe, is going to be able to do for us. And he does have that veteran presence. So uh, I think it benefits us. All right, let's keep powering through. Well, good. Greg, you want to say something? I was going to say, what's this guy's name? Eric Rowe? He's better yeah. than CJ Henderson. So go ahead. <laughs> there's a great clip of him talking shit, the offensive lineman. And uh, like he's like trying to fight. Like is like it's like this little guy beside this offensive lineman. And he's talking junk to him. And the offensive lineman goes, I don't even know who you are. He goes, hey, that's cool because I don't even know who you are either. So, if I say, like, you suck too. I mean, it was fun. He's like, he's yeah. a guy that's going to be fun, I think. I think he's a good a mentor-type player. A good locker room uh, presence yeah, that you're going to yeah. need for a lot of young players. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, I wanted to shout this out too. We put up a brand-new film room, uh, the C3 film room. We've been putting out a bunch of those. We're going to continue to put out a bunch of those from now to here in the draft. I asked our buddy John from One Carolina to join me on a film session where we looked at some film from Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud's 2021 film. And the fans are loving it, man. So I wanted to plug this and, and make sure that people went and looked out for it. Me and John from One Carolina did this. Um, and, and that's on the channel right now. Uh, and, and all the super fans, they're going to get all access to this stuff first and foremost before everyone else. So for a dollar ninety nine a month, you can become a brand new super fan 
and get instant access to all kinds of badges, emojis, and premium content watching film as we lead up to the draft. And um, I do believe we might even do an Anthony Richardson film room at one point, and that's nice. what the fans wanted. So let us know if you would like an Anthony Richardson film room, and uh, we can make that happen in the near future. Um, CK, before we go any further, um, you know, we've we've been doing this for a while now. And, um, you know, fans love to listen to us. And that's fine. They do love to listen to us. But we also know that we have a bunch of freak shows who come here for a lot of other reasons, man. And they're growing impatient. It's already 11.23, man. Give them what they want, Big Papa. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, you have joined in after an incredible interview with David Geddes. And then an hour later, we're talking about how we have the worst wide receiver history in the entire NFL. Seems a bit disrespectful, but you've come here to talk about it with the Carolina Panthers, about the Carolina Panthers with C3. So I have one thing to say to all you absolute freaks that have not hit that like button, who haven't hit that subscribe button, or heck, if you haven't even hit that share button, subscriber shame. One hundred and sixty-three people watching right now. One hundred and twenty-nine thumbs up. Hit that like. Hit that subscribe. Hit that notification bell for every single time the C Three Panthers podcast goes live, ladies and gentlemen. I am here to tell you that there is not another Panthers podcast that puts out as much content as us. Man, we're C Three is cooking right now. We have people putting C Three in their usernames. C3 Nation is stronger than ever before, man. Uh, hit that like button to help us beat up on the YouTube algorithm and help us get seen by more Carolina Panther fans all over YouTube. Let's move on to our next topic. Uh, it is now being rumored that Devin White, or not even a rumor, but Devin White wants to be traded from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Do you think that this is a good move for the Carolina Panthers. And I want to juxtapose that with this. I put this out on Twitter, and this is just my opinion. I said, I don't want Devin White. I don't want to give up any more draft capital to go get other players on other teams. I want to give our players a chance to shine. I think we don't even know what we have in Brandon Smith, who we drafted last year. I would like to see this man get a shot in the middle of Carolina's defense. Boys, what do you all say? Devin White or Brandon Smith? So you're saying <clears throat> if they offer to trade White for Smith and a fourth-round pick, you wouldn't take it? This is a non-story, guys. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not going to trade him to a division team. Yeah, okay. I mean, you're right. I mean, that's not smart, but people don't do smart things all the time. <laughs> so, When's the I'm, last time? I, yeah. I would be interested to see how many times in history there has been divisional rivals that have made trades between one another. Yeah, it can't be a ton. Well, then let's get them out of here. It's one less guy to worry about. 
I'm, I'm fine all with for him, him being traded. Then, yep. if if he's not going to go to Carolina, then I'm all for him being traded because he's not going to go individual. So does he? I think he's hasn't he been in a four three though the whole time. So like is like is that does that even make us? I mean, I guess you know what is I'd rather have Devin White than Shaq Thompson. I'd rather have Devin I was White say Shaq Thompson than uh, Brandon up, Smith. Up, I'd rather yeah. have him, but again. Is this because a contract is on the horizon? Right. Is he? Is this because he wants to get? Look, I can understand team people wanting to get out of Tampa right now. Is that's a sinking pirate ship? Yeah, I mean, is Baker's coming in? This poor, you know, this thing, this house is burned down. I don't blame the guy for wanting to get out. I just don't know if it's like is again. I think I kind of lean to what you're saying. I don't really even care about Brandon Smith. I do. I hope he's going to be great. It's not like I'm like, oh, I don't want Devin White because of Brandon Smith. I just don't know if Devin White is is like we don't need to get ahead of our skis right now. Listen, 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 listen. Why is it that every other NFL team can find hidden gems in the later rounds except for the Panthers? We are never going to know what we have in these players until we play them. More importantly, I look back at last season at Terrace Marshall Jr., who wasn't getting any snaps until he was, and then he started to ball the fuck out. But Nobody would have had any, any reason to believe that TMJ had any potential at all whatsoever if he hadn't had the opportunity to do so. I don't want. Oh, TMJ to, had so much hype coming into the league. You guys were gushing over that dude. And, for the and you know that's what? a I'm bad example. Right. Cody. I think I, that's I'm a bad example. I, I, I could also say that about Bradley Bozeman. Bradley yeah. Bozeman was a player that wasn't starting. And then once he oh, finally I like that. I agree. Snaps, I agree. Right. Cody. We have to play our young players, or we're never going to know what we yeah, have. I'm fine here. with that. I'm fine with that. I'm not even arguing against you. I agree with that. Play the young players, but at the same time, you don't invest your nest egg into a risky investment. Period. Like you invest your you you invest your money into players you know are going to do well. Like that I just don't know if do Devin well. White's a great fit for us right now. That's, That's it. What I'm it's saying. like it's like, like is that you're talking about a money into him. You're talking about I mean, a guy who's going to command. I'm not even talking about Devin White anymore. I'm just saying I want to see him get a shot. Because his athletic scores are incredible, man. They really are, uh, uh, you know, one of a kind type of RAS scores. Cody, the reason we aren't like ready to go that bold is because we've been pulling for these stories, stories for so long. Even going back to David Geddes, to be honest, yeah, it's yeah. like we yeah. have these players that go, "Oh shit, this is like I'm telling you." If you would have been able to watch David Geddes that see, he was the only bright spot on the offense in that what like he had the best game of the entire season of any player. Like, I mean, it was, and then I I didn't mention it to him as like two games after his 109 catch, 125 yard game, two touchdowns. I was at the Saints beatdown of the Carolina Panthers 34 to three or 33 to three. And it was a tough, it was a long game. We stayed to the very end. We won a bunch of stuff because we're the only fans still there. Tickets were $40, $45 to sit on like the 45-yard mm. line in the fourth the row. Yeah. It was. But here's the thing. We've been rooting for this from how many guys have we said this about from you could argue YGM, you could argue um Christian, who is that? Something Christian, uh, the guy that came out of Alabama, coming off the like, uh, 
He was the defensive end. We've always been waiting for some of these dudes to break out. The closest we ever got was 2015. Ben A, Ben Wickery, Trey Boston, they looked like they were going to be players in the league. We looked like, you know what? We thought we found those guys. We just haven't hit on them, Cody. So I think there's some like um, PTSD, some shell shock that we go through with right? this. Right. But then you also have examples like Brady Christensen, who was the third round pick, guys like Andrew Norwell, who were undrafted, and he was an incredible part of that Panthers Super Bowl run at uh, left guard for the Panthers. So, I mean, there's there's a ton that goes into this. If you look at his RAS scores of Brandon Smith, homie had a 9.97, dude. Yeah, he's super fast. He's big. He's more exciting than... 250 pounds. He ran a, a, an incredible 40-yard dash. The dude has it, man. He kind of is, is this is crazy. Would his physical comp kind of be Micah Parsons? Kind of like a poor man's Micah Parsons. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh well look, hey, we I want Brandon Smith. Yeah, I want new. I want new and young mixed with uh, I think we uh, the one thing I'm cautioning about my excitement level of this team right now is like I hope that I'm not just getting baited into expectations because we got a name shark that sounded cool on the free agency. We got a name like Thielen that we've heard before. I just hope, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I want it to be a good steady progression of a good build. I don't know if Devin White's a great fit. And I feel like he comes from a three, four, a four, three off yep. uh, defense anyway. And uh, the rest of the, Here's one of the things is this. Yeah, so is, that's we haven't even done any kind calls yet. So let's power through these these next couple. They all kind of run into one another. Uh, Jeff Okuda, the former third overall pick in the draft, is now going to the Atlanta Falcons. Man, to the division rival, mm. uh, only for a 2023 fifth round pick. The Falcons secondary now consists of Jeff Okuda. AJ Terrell and Jesse Bates. Jeff Okuda is the second player in the last decade to be drafted in the top three overall and traded less than three years after being drafted. The other was quarterback Sam Darnold, who was drafted by the Jets in 2018 and traded to the Panthers in April 2021. Uh, what, what, what do we make of that, man? And He's CJ Henderson. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why CJ Henderson on on that list, but was he, uh, oh, he wasn't a top three. Yeah, he wasn't top three though. He yeah. was like six though, right? Yeah, uh, uh, 11. eleven. Eleven. I think. Uh, yeah, I think it was eleven in that year, Jeff. So, uh, gentlemen, what do we think of uh, Jeffrey Okuda going to the Atlanta Falcons? I'll see what happens. I got my biggest question, and I'll ask you first: Is you were real high on Okuda coming out of college, right? Cody? I love this film. Sure. Yeah. yeah, he was uh, great on film. What's wild is this, is that the Detroit Lions had a historically bad secondary last year. So, like, yeah. it's like, it's, and they are jettisoning him. <laughs> They're trying to get better. They're saying this is, this is addition by subtraction. Right. Um, I, I'm not, like, it's like, as look, is that I think, if anything, it's very much like C.J. Henderson, and that is the draft. Right. Collapse capital or whatever recognition just gives him a, a a grace that doesn't exist from a guy that comes in the fifth or the sixth rounds. 
like right now his tape is fit what he's done he hasn't he was hurt his rookie year he had all this it's like i'm not sitting here going oh god uh, i'm scared of the falcons now right yeah never <laughs> but yeah. hey is that would we have really been would we have been upset if we would have gotten him for a fifth no, probably not. Not at all. But whatever. I mean, okay. it is what it is. He's not scaring me. Uh, Tony, I'm going to let you take these next two. Yeah. Um, one of the things I encourage everybody to go to carolinacatchronicles.com. If you want to uh, write and contribute, go. Uh, you can contact me at carolinacatchronicles at gmail.com. I'm trying, A, to rebuild. The website was the original Genesis. It was the website, then the podcast. But then, you know, the podcast became the bread and butter. And I tell you this is I put – you know, 10 hours into that story on Ted Ginn Jr. and the sad story, and it's going to get like 25 views compared to if we put an hour and a half into a video and <laughs> right. a podcast, it's going to get like 7,000 views. But um, so this is a story I'm actually, uh, I feel like I've been on a hot streak in my ideas lately. I'm usually not a, my ideas don't appeal to the masses. So when I did the 10 greatest Panthers, like all of a sudden it really called on people to be a part of the discussion. Then I did the Ted, I did the Ted again. This is one that came to me and I was just thinking, man, how, as this debate between CJ Stroud and Bryce Young has become more and more divisive among fans, more and more controversial. I was thinking back, I was like, what's the last really controversial draft class we had and you go back to here to 2018 where Baker goes one, Darnold goes three. Then you get um, Allen. Then you get Lamar Jackson. There's some other names in there. And ultimately they got it completely backwards. Right. Is that they should have taken and you know, Lamar, Allen, then the other guys or Allen, Lamar, the other. So I went and I started looking into what are some of the most controversial um, dra quarterback draft classes in team in, in league history, and I I, narrow, I got a list of ten. I don't know if it's perfect. What's really cool though is well, one is cool is the Panthers are on it. The Panthers are on it from 2011. Is that there was a lot of debate about Locker, about uh Blaine Gabbert, um, or who I like to call Glaine Babbert, and uh. Cam Newton and and, and Cam, Carolina got it right. And yes. so I went I went through and I tried to not only identify the 10 top the top 10 quarterback controversies but also reflect upon if they got it right. So we can go to look is on this list was Tim Couch and Donovan McNabb and Tim Couch went before Donovan McNabb. Uh you can go to uh, Art, and so they got that one wrong. You can go to Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf. Peyton Manning goes first. They got it right. So what I went through is a cool one. The number one on the list is John Elway and Jim Kelly. And they arguably got it right with John Elway. So really cool. If you go to carolinacatchronicles.com, you can check out this story about uh, the 10 most controversial QB drafts in league in NFL history. And look, that's a small way you can support us. If we can get some clicks on the website, if you accidentally hit an ad while you're up there, that helps. That's like that's like a 50-cent donation. 
just like click an ad. It's like giving us 50, like that's like, cause nobody clicks ads. So when you get a click man, you get like 25 cents, I got to get like, I get like a thousand views and get like three pennies. So, uh, yeah, man. It's wild. And it's just crazy. And this is why I went to the podcast, Cody, is because the amount of work it takes to write the time to write stories and the return. People want the video content. They want the audio content. It slaps better. And one of the things that's on the website right now, though, the Panthers mm-hmm. are going to be picking. They've got other picks than the number one pick. And you, you do you up, believe it? Yeah. You put up a list of three players that you think could be there at 39. Who were those three players? And if they want to read about it, they can go to the website. Yeah. So listen, uh, I, I put three players that I think should be in consideration for the Carolina Panthers at 39. And you see one of them right there, Zay Flowers. We talked about him a little bit earlier with David Gaddis, and David spoke glowingly about him. And uh, and that would be uh, some a, uh, a fantastic pickup. I don't even care that we've already signed a bunch of wide receivers. Go get someone as talented as Zay Flowers. And you want to know what? I'm not even going to tell you the other two. If you want to oh. find out the other two, nice. go to carolinacatchronicles.com and check out what I had Love to say it. about the other two fantastic defensive players that we could be drafting. 16 days left to go until the draft. Tony has been putting out these clips uh, with former Panther players and their numbers. Uh, we're harkening uh, back to Chris Winkie with this one. Oh, this one was a, this is a rough one. Uh, this is the, this is, look, the Panthers had a top pick. What was it? It's Chris Winky and Tim Biaka Batuka. Those are like the, yeah. the people that, but uh, Winky uh, was lost his job. Look, Jake, Jake DeLome, uh beat him out in that final year. Winky was just couldn't throw it downfield, man. Just couldn't. It was just one-eyed Winky, just no arm talent or shell shocked. I don't know. It was kind of like Jimmy Clausen. Jimmy Clausen. Did you ever say one-eyed Winky? Yeah, that's what I always called him. (laughs) Sorry. Um, All right. But, yeah, I've been doing that, so you can go back and check. 19 days. That was the Ted Ginn. You know, that's where it got me thinking about Ted Ginn Jr. as I did the 19 days, the number. (laughs) Um, And tomorrow is 15. And that is – no, Jake DeLone was what, 16, 17? I don't even know who's tomorrow. Who's number 15 in Panther history? I'll go back. 17, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, so fun stuff. Let's go to the cat calls, Cody. Yeah. Uh, if you would like to be a part of the discussion, leave a message for us at 252-228-5098. Let's hear what Panther Nation has to say. So what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty sh- You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think cat calling makes the person feel? It feels two, good. Like and a three and a four and a four. What's up, T3? It's P Dubs. Uh, it's been a couple weeks or so since I called in. Um, P Dubs. Topic or topical question tonight is: Have we done enough offensively? We've made a, a number of just terrific signings. Thielen, Sanders. Oh, we forgot to talk about Miles. But is it enough is what I'm really wondering. And if the view is no, can we sign D-Hop? 
I, I have to think that we could somehow get creative with the salary cap space needed and sign into a longer contract. And if not, what are we going to do at 39 in the draft? I mean, I think we all know that we need another edge uh, presence and threat. And I don't, I don't think we've seen the best of Brian Burns, as good as he is. I think once we have somebody else on the other side, I mean, it is just going to free him up. Um, anyway, I'm just curious. I feel like we've got an, another big move in free agency, and I'm just, you know, dying to know what Fitz is thinking right now. Um, I feel like we've got one good pickup in the draft at 39. I'm not so sure what we're going to get with the other picks. Uh, but we've still got two or three holes. So, anyway, looking for your thoughts. It almost feels like it's got to be defensive end. Why do you say that? I don't know. As I feel like is that the linebacker adding just too many to the stable uh, brand. I don't know. Is like then maybe you could say a corner because I mean a corner would be a well, good. Pick. Wouldn't you want to say BPA though? I mean that's well, what like, you're like, hoping for. You say defensive end, but what if there's no good deep? What if we just there don't are... have two defensive ends right now? We only have one. Right, but would who's you pass the other up a guy? Who would you is pass the other a cornerback who is superior to a defensive end? Just to have another guy on the other end that's maybe a YGM. I'm not ready to give. I know everybody shits on YGM, but like, look, it's year three that players at defensive end that aren't freaks show out. So this is his. If if YGM isn't a contributor this year, then it's then I get it. Um, but that's the other thing. You're right, Greg. Is just getting those guys in the draft isn't going to do anything for a bunch of time. You know, what I'm saying it's still going to be time. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is a linebacker. I think that uh, Cody. Um, let's just talk about DeAndre because we mentioned the three. Have we done enough offensively? Would DeAndre Hopkins be putting too much expectation on us, or would that be really just putting the player, the rookie quarterback, in a great position? Well, I don't know. And then uh, uh, another discussion point that went along with uh, DeAndre was he doesn't practice much uh, it, because he's had a bunch of injuries before. They want to make sure that he's healthy for game day. And I believe that you really want to make sure that if you are going to have a young quarterback, that you're going to be able to build that connection with him um, during the week in practice. I don't know if you would be able to do that with DeAndre Hopkins, but listen, to have that kind of talent, yeah, we're a better team with him than without him, man. And if you have a quarterback that can reliably get him the football, to me, it's a no-brainer. I would love to do it, but our recent, um, our recent signings, to me, make that less and less of a possibility now. All right, um, pull up Anthony's super chat as I pull up this. Dude, I'm I'm uh, I'm looking. I thought I saved it. I'm gonna pull it up from the C3 channel. Uh, if I can't find it, you know I got you, Anthony. Right, go, to ne- go. go to the next call, and I'll pull it up. Hey, yo, it's your boy. Once again, Juan Tommy from North Charleston, South Carolina. Keep counting, y'all. I'm um, a huge fan of the podcast. I love it. Never stop listening, y'all. Thank you. I just had a quick question about today. Today, Gregory News at NFL, I think today, yesterday, Baldell Beckham Jr. went to the Ravens on a one-year deal worth $18 million. Do you think it might pump the Panthers to looking at any other available agencies and running back and receivers to add more depth to the rushing game, a passing game, a blocking, a casting, a rushing? Or do you think they're going to stand still and keep adding on the defense line, the O-line first, 
to make sure we get the much needed depth that we need as a team and go forward with a plan to draft a quarterback at number one? Or do you think about the the other people out there, like Kareem Hunt, is she available? Is she Elliott, is she available? What do you all think will be the game plan here? Do we go with the quarterback in the draft, or do we wait to see if we can try try to do a China trade with another team for another player? I just went to Austin's here and I look at line, but these rumors around and I don't know what do y'all think should we do and why and how many think money should be spent or saved with these signees and or draft picks or how do we keep counting from on and make team even better? I, thank you and have a good day. And thank you for the call. Thank you for the support. I like uh, this is um I I think that Odell the Odell story is interesting. Now we can skip right. this in the news later. Does this suggest that uh, Lamar's coming back? Some people said this means that Cam could go to Baltimore because he's tight and he was throwing with Odell the other day or something like that. Um, I'm kind of, and I'm leaning towards this, Cody, is it's not the practice thing for DeAndre Hopkins and adding more there. I think this is, let's shit or get off the pot with Terrace Marshall Jr., Let's go out there and give him the opportunity to be a number two or number one, you know what I'm saying? And just instead of having this time where there's always going to be a guy ahead of him that's kind of blocking his entry point to the league, but also that guy that's ahead of him isn't going to be a long-term answer or in the future plan. So if you bring in DeAndre Hopkins, you're talking about a two-year player at the most for the Carolina Panthers or something, I would think, in that it's kind of like, let's try to figure out who the hell we got in Terrace Marshall Jr. Or now we know next year to go all in on a younger wide receiver in the free agency or, um, you know, really start like targeting a top 10 wide receiver in the draft. You're muted. No, I said I echo the same sentiments, man. I want to see what we have in Terrace Marshall Jr. If you're a Panther fan, do you not want to see the ceiling of what Terrace Marshall can do? I know I sure as hell do. And I think that him and DJ Chark are very complimentary players. Two tall, fast receivers. I love it. Can, can I be honest? Like, <clears throat> I don't I don't see what you see in TMJ, to be honest with you. You haven't had enough like, time to see I, I see the possibility of having some good games. But I don't see this guy you guys are talking about. Now, I could be wrong, and I hope I am. I just don't see it, though. Well, you haven't had an opportunity. Like, he hasn't played. Like So then why can you argue that he's he's worth it? Well, I'm saying this. If you can argue that he hasn't played, then why can you say he's... I'm not saying... I'm saying we need to figure out if he is or not. But just okay. having, a, or else it's a wasted second round pick. Yeah, not, you know, not a big that, enough sample size. Be what it is. It's just know? like this. It's just bringing in guys to negate dudes you've drafted. Uh, yeah. It's it's just hurts. It's like this. Yeah. It's like you just at some point you need to figure out if that draft pick. And like we heard is that you know you don't really see this in training camp enough. I think you can't be successful without opportunity, and right. that's just what. Uh, I'm figuring here. Hit him up with his uh, super chat. Yeah, man. My guy, Anthony, uh, C3 Anthony Piccarello says film session was lit with Cody. Thanks for inviting me to do it. Check them out if you haven't. I'm going to Bank of America for the draft. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, they've announced that they're going to be opening up um, the stadium. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like when uh, who called in for uh, called in the show that year from the draft, and we picked uh, uh, Brian Burns. He and they called in the Brian Burns pick. It was it's gonna come to me in a second. Let's go to the next call. What's up, C three? This is Mike from Clemens calling with What's unique up, perspectives. There's all this debate as if we should draft C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, but will we even be debating if Bryce Young was six foot three? And was allowed to wear a jetpack and cover his uniform with Vaseline. Would we be debating <laughs> if Bryce was six foot one half inch tall and had electrified pads so that he could electrocute pass rushers like he was Blanca from Street Fighter? Would we be debating <laughs> if Bryce was the same height, was allowed to carry a broadsword to defend himself, and was given immunity from criminal prosecution or any game play release if he stabbed a defender to death in a game? I think not. With an uh, with Stroud or Young, Tepper's put together an elite coaching staff. Bitterer is going to put some good play pieces in place in the draft, and the future is bright, my friends. Keep pounding. Dude, that like, is like the that call, call of the night. That's that the call of the call. night, Jimmy. And mm. I love it, too, man, because I, I, I also hate the what ifs. Oh, like, oh, well, if it was six foot five, he'd be the number one. Oh, yeah. It'd be but we he's can not. Right. Everything. That's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. That's the reason why we're arguing that point is because if, he's not. If, so, so I, I just don't understand. If Ohio State's kicker makes a kick <laughs> and beats Georgia. They go on to smash TCU, TCU like the Bulldogs did. You were if the, the way, by the way. If the Ohio State... <laughs> Um, defense stops Stetson Bennett, who had a terrible first half in the second half, from keeping them in the game and getting them back in the game. CJ Stroud is a consensus number one. He almost got, he had such a good game that he kind of doubted. He, he shook a, so that's the thing is for every what if for Bryce, we can do a what if for Stroud. And like, uh, I like the call though, like the call a lot. And here's the thing is that. Um, it's not up is we're waiting to see what the pan we're going to see how much the Panthers think that that processing versus size is, or if they see something in CJ Stroud that people maybe aren't given credit for. Let's go to the next call. Then I got something to show you. Hey guys, this is Panther Pickle. Um, reading a little bit today on Twitter this evening and people are talking about, uh, the Smith could be the linebacker instead of trading for a guy named Devon White, who's a buck, who they ain't going to trade him to us anyway. So I'll just drop that damn idea. But I also got to think of today, and I don't think a lot of people realize it, but you know what? In reality, none of Matt Rule's guys that he drafted could be worth a crap. They really couldn't. You talk last year, uh, we know that Icky got a lot of playing time, but let's be bluntly honest, Matt Corral, Brandon Smith, Omar Obama, even my man Cade Mays and Kalen Barnes all could suck. I don't even think Kalen Barnes is on a roster anymore. I think he's on with the Vikings now. But uh, Cade Mays, as much as I like him, he got some, he got some time on the field last year, but most of that was at uh, fullback. It's the last game of the year. He played some uh, some good uh, but, uh, uh, guard, but, I mean, none of them guys could be on our roster. 
They, it wouldn't shock anybody. You know, even the year before that, you had J.C. Horn, Terrence Marshall, Brady DeChristensen. They look pretty established. Tommy Trimble seems to be a good guy on special teams. Brandon Chubb's all right. Nixon's already gone. Taylor should, Keith Taylor should be gone. Dante Brown's spent his entire career so far on practice squad. I, I, I have doubts he'll even make the pictures. Man, I have doubts he'll even make the the training camp roster. So I Smith, there's. There's questions whether he'll be on the roster or not. I mean, it just goes without saying, you know. And so, so, so we should no way not draft a player or sign a player or or get fill a position, even if we have Brandon Smith on the roster, even if we have Mario Barno on the roster, because or even Kay Mays, because you know what? If they are meant to be in the NFL, they could hold off the competition we bring in. All right, that's just fact. And Brandon Smith and Mario Barner was always yeah. thought to be a long-term development prospect. So you know, should we cut him now? No, of course not. But you know, don't 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 not do something just because they're on your roster. Because the last thing we want to do is say Brandon Smith's our guy. He's the main guy we look for, and the season comes, and he's a big pile of crap and we're stuck with no linebacker tell that to Mac or signing up that you can be another piece of crap that nobody else wants anyway so but y'all take care and Panther Pickle and I'll see you on the side Panther Pickle you're the man brother you know we love you uh listen uh I gotta show you guys something dude we have the best fans okay it's not even a question we have the best fans. I love this. We is literally, get my feels. come on, I'm dude, ready. We literally interviewed David Gaddis tonight. He told an incredible story about him and John Beeson. I'm not going to play the music, but our boy, Promise Panda, on Twitter, already made this man, and it's incredible. Greg, you're going to love it, dude. David Gaddis' first practice, he's running. Okay, this thinks he's gonna score because of his speed. John Beeson covering Geddes in practice. <laughs> Geddes realizing Beeson, a middle linebacker, can keep up with him. Oh, shit. right. Look, Panda is in my podcast all the time, and I really appreciate it. I'm sure this had something to do Where with it. Very, very well done. Uh, very, dude, very well Panda, done. Perfect scene to that put that. That was up. incredible. I love brother. it. Very well. Oh, done. we have the best fans. So good. We're the really. I'm telling fans. you, this is our year, dude. This is our year. I feel like we've all the hard work that we've put in, and and it's not a celebrate us thing. It's just like if you start this type of game, and I'm gonna put this out to podcasters, content creators, all the world. Uh, it's a long slog to get the return that you think, right? Is that it's a hard, and so it's just really, I'm just glad at it. Like even with the website, man, I'm refusing to quit on it right now. It's just like, I could have probably just invested all that time into the podcast, but you know, it's just, if you want it all to pay off on day one, life's not like that. And right now I think this is the year that things like, look, we had Jonathan Stewart, David. I think we're going to hit this. We're getting the calls, the momentum point, the gang. We got the gang going. 
Uh, we need to start organizing the draft party. That's what we got to get on. Guess, 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 because yeah. look, we can't talk about the first pick all night, right? I mean, I know we'll feel like it. People will be calling about it. But one of the things we do throughout is we like to bring in and talk about other teams and other things and make it fun like that. So start working on that guest list. Thank you to all the fans. Let's go to the next call. What is up, P3? It's Anthony from Charlotte, but today it's Anthony from the Outer Banks. I'm currently at the Outer Banks, oh, man, man, at the beach. But nice. just wanted to say what's up to my main guys, Cody, CK, Greg, and Tony. But, yeah, same conversation we're always going to have, except I'm officially locking in my pick. Bryce Young will be the first pick in the NFL draft to my Carolina Panthers. Let's fucking go. I always knew he was the pick. He's amazing. His he processes so quick. He's quick with the he's just quick in the pocket, makes quick decisions. His arm's pretty good. This is who we need, man. And it's not surprising to me at all that all this stuff is coming out now from literally everyone. Even Will Kunkel said the dude impressed in his interview, his top thirty visit, the odds shifted. To him, now he's minus 300 to be the pick for us. I knew this all along, man. I knew that just because Josh McCown was chopping it up with CJ Stroud, that didn't, that didn't really change what I had in mind because Josh McCown isn't the coach. And people from Panthers on top, shout out them. They even talked to Fitter last November, and they said that Fitter said that Bryce Young is special. I always had a feeling that if we got to this spot, he would be the guy we take. So yeah, I'm I'm locking my pick in now, and I got him at at one plus one fifty odds on FanDuel Sportsbook. So yeah, man, that's all I gotta say. Just a happy Panthers fan. And listen, I do want to say I did, I I would be fine if surprisingly out of nowhere CJ Stroud was the pick. I'm completely fine with that. I just think Bryce with this coaching staff is a match made in heaven. I think he can do so much. And shout out to John from One Carolina. I don't know if he's going to be listening tonight, but he makes a lot of great conspiracy points. When we signed Miles Sanders, it told me that we were going to run a lot of pistol and shotgun formation. And as you can, if you look up the statistics, 66% of the NFL quarterbacks have, have um, ran shotgun last year. The number has been going up ever since yeah, the 1950s right. or whatever. So, yeah, that's all I got to say. I truly 1950s. believe Bryce Young's the pick. And if you don't believe that, fight with me. You know where to find me. No, JK, I'm just joking. But love y'all, boys. Appreciate the work you do, as always. Anthony from Outer Banks, keep motherfucking pounding. Damn, that's my you know, boy Anthony, man. Uh, I think Greg asked this earlier. I think that if Bryce Young is the pick, I'm going to be more excited than if it's Stroud. I agree. Really? really? Yeah, and here's the reason why. Is that one, is it's going to tell me that the hype around his intangibles, processing, all of this isn't hype, that it's like really... <laughs> Well, so, so how is that going to tell you that? Because the team endorses that idea. That just means you're believing what the team believes. That he isn't. Well, no, anything. no. Okay. Well, no. I mean, like what I'm saying is yeah. that 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 it's not just fans saying it. It's that the team is putting you. their okay. stamp on right. that thing, and they have it, so much more access to his his inner. Obviously, to him as a player, 
the film, the understanding. They, yeah. Yeah, they have access to all of his coaches from high school to college to, you know, junior high if they wanted to go back as far. They have as much information as you can possibly ask for um, from, you know, scores on these ridiculous tests that they've, uh, yeah. they've decided to come. Like, they have so much stuff at their disposal. And if they make the and, and, and to the point, uh, you know, and I think it's important. This is why it's so exciting about Bryce Young, right? Bryce Young is being considered the top pick. And this is like the hype around him. It wasn't even nearly the same hype around Baker, Baker Mayfield. Like it was, it was a, a crapshoot between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, but right. nobody considered them to be like the top, like, elite they're going to be coming in and taking their team to the playoffs right right i'm not saying that's the chain about bryce but the argument here is bryce is small and they still are putting these same types of uh the the draft grades on this guy right i agree <laughs> i think I, that I, we've that that part is the part that i think is hard to overlook is that it's not just one person it is a, a majority of people out there that have reviewed the tape between these two guys that believe that young is the better quarterback. And here is the, here's my final point on that. Greg is that it's that on one hand. And the other hand is this, if we take Stroud, there is going to be a contingent of Panther fans and a contingent of the NFL world that said that it wasn't the right pick. Right. And every time something goes wrong, they're going to go, we told, and it's not that I, I like, it's not that they're I really gonna care. They're going to do that, that right. no matter what, uh, vice versa. Like, I don't think the Stroud fans are going to be able to do that as much because Bryce comes in with like the expectation that he's like, I just think this is that Stroud will have to exceed people's ex expectations and then uh, Young will have to live up to him. So I just think my yeah. initial excitement is going to be, like this is I feel like all of a sudden if Stroud's the pick, you better get your Twitter swords out, folks. We're going to have to defend him for the end of time, especially if Bryce Young's good. I mean, I just don't know. Uh, like I said, that's just it. It's a, yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to the next call. What's up, everybody? Seven back again. And I'm here to talk about the QB thing which is probably the hottest topic right now amongst Panther fans. And I just wanted to come in and say that I'm still on the CJ train. I know that uh, a lot of people who are Bryce Young fans are going to say, keep or dream on. It's Bryce Young all day now and everything. And I'm not phased by it. I'm going to stay team shroud until I see that pick. And I, I've said again, Many times, this I keep having to bring it up. I'm fine with Bryce too, but I prefer Stroud, and I'm going to be Team Stroud up until the draft, and that's it's going to be hard for that to change for me. And it's it's like I said, until that pick is uh, announced by Roger Goodell, I'm not changing my opinion. And I like if I'm story. being honest, I think it's crazy that. Some people, some of the things that people are saying about CJ too, um, especially the, the Lombardi dude. Cody, I saw you tweet about this today, and that is that he he's literally saying something that definitely is not true about CJ. That he's some people are he's saying like he's not coachable. Right, that, that's yeah. ridiculous. 
it's I, so I, stupid. I see CJ as being a guy who is all in for getting help to be, become better, to learn how to be better. He is willing to learn from coaching. And I just find it ridiculous right. that people – uh, people are just, or at least that dude is saying this. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. I don't think he should say that, but yeah, I just want to come on here and say this. Um, still the CJ train still think he'll, I still personally think, think he'll be the pick. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting an exciting times almost two weeks away from the draft. We're getting ready. We're almost there. We'll find out who it truly will be. And the key word is truly because we still don't. Nobody knows. As somebody said on 99.9 fan ESPN, a couple guys on their one of their podcasts said nobody knows still. And I think that's true. But, yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Keep pounding. Let's go. Keep pounding. Thank you, Evan. Yeah, Lombardi's on someone's payroll, dude. And listen, he's been a big fan of Bryce Young for a while, and he always has good things to say about Bryce. And he never really has great things to say about CJ. Or how funny now is not coachable. Like, dude, what is this? That clip was such bullshit. I don't believe absolutely any of it. I think it's a part of the smear tactics. And, um, I'm not with it, man. And I completely understand uh, people that are still on Team CJ Stroud. I understand all those reasons, man. A bigger arm talent. I think it throws the most beautiful ball out of every quarterback prospect in this year's draft. Yeah, I, w- I would be happy with either of them. But um, I'm, I'm not down with the the uh, intentional trying to tank CJ yeah. Stroud stuff. Yeah. It's somebody. I mean, I think the Colts are paying him off. Let's go to the next call. What's up, C3? It's JJ back with another call for you. JJ? Um, I was listening to the podcast that Tony uploaded late from like two weeks ago or whatever. And a few things, you know, uh, when he was complaining about how all the Bryce Young fans and how uh, they're complaining, saying like Alabama has such a lack of wide receivers. You know, if we take Bryce Young, which I'm completely fine with, and, you know, let's say he has a bad game or whatever, I don't want to fucking hear that excuse that, oh, we have some bum-ass receivers. Because if that's going to be one of your points as to why we should take him, for him to get it done at the college level with lesser talent than C.J. Stroud, then I don't want to hear that as an excuse whenever he's playing for the Panthers. Um Second, um, Tony, please get the fuck over Lamar Jackson. It was never going to happen. We never should have. It doesn't matter. Next topic. Um, and then the last <laughs> thing, in terms of Bryce Young, when I watch Bryce Young, I can't be the only one who just laughs. Sometimes. Like, it, it's kind of like, like you just see this little guy and when he runs around and he makes a play and scrambles upfield, and he puts on his little juke moves. It's like the smallest guy on the field sometimes is like the best player, and it's kind of cool, you know. It's just so 
I don't know, adorable in a sense, but yeah, <laughs> like, I, it, I don't know. I just think it's funny. It's just like, go Bryce, go. Because he's just so little compared to everyone else on the field. So, <laughs> I mean, like, if that's my quarterback, you know, I'm cheering go Bryce, go every time. But um, G-Baby had the funniest nickname for him called Glock 9, so... Uh, hit his five ten ass and getting called called Glock nine. From now on, if he he's wearing that black and blue, come eight or saying that about Matt Corral. Uh, for... I, I don't really have anything else to say though. I hope you all have a good week. Uh, thank you, C three. Everybody in the in the chat and watching, like, comment, and subscribe to C three man. Oh, yeah, Join yeah, the yeah. Friday free fall as well. Oh, we we trying to grow this grow this podcast. These guys work so hard. Man, appreciate you, appreciate brother. it, man. We thank you. Man. Have a good one. Keep pounding. You call into the show. You listen to the show. It's wonderful for the support. This, this is, is perfect. <laughs> this is perfect, right? I thought here I, would... I feel perfect. Right <laughs> I mean, he can assess the defense so well. That was my tweet. I've been on fire this week. I've had one of my best runs on Twitter. Tony, you've been uh, fucking killing it, brother. And a minute. All right, let's go to the next call. Hey, hey, hey. What up, dude? You know who the fuck it is. Booyaka, booyaka, booyaka. I know it's been a while, boys. I know it's been a while. Been on my OT shit. I saw me on Twitter and whatnot. You know what's going on. I don't really need to explain, but Panther Nation, yeah, I'm back in that jet black, baby. What's good, CK? What's good, Craig? What's good, the professor? Hmm. And what's good, Mr. Corellac? Oh, what's good with my shit. motherfucking dog, man? It's exactly. fucking beautiful out here in utah dude. <laughs> beautiful fucking sunsets i'm feeling real good you dig? i'm feeling real real fucking good man oh man panther nation is bright oh, you know who the fuck this is huh you know who the fuck this is hey baby who the fuck are you i got a little stuff for you <laughs> jj was good with your ass man what's good with the panther fucking faithful baby Oh, we're back, baby. Oh, man. I just have so much on my mind. Uh, Bryce Young, we already know the truth, is going to be the number one pick of this 2023 fucking NFL draft. Um, We got the 39th pick. What I would like to do is, you know, continue to build the wall. Continue to build the wall. Add another couple of bricks to the wall. Why the fuck not? I love it. Why not, man? We got two guards coming off. Season ending yes, uh, injuries. Yes, uh, we got uh, Austin coming off the ACL. We got Brady Christian coming off a fractured ankle. It ain't going to hurt no one if we add another lineman. But like I said, if those special players are still there at pick 39, the Zay Flowers of the world, I know you guys are high on him. I, I fucked with Zay as well. Um, the the Jameer Gibbs of the world, the, the you know, Bijan Robinsons of the world. If they're there, obviously we have to pull the trigger. But uh 
What's happening, man? What's going on? All the fucking prophets, Mary, what's going on? I love it Jesus I'm back in that fucking jet black. Hey, one, hey, everyone, grab a, grab, grab a glass of anything. I don't care if you got alcohol, water, anything. On the count of three, one, and put your pinky up. One, two, three. Cheers. Hey, cheers. <laughs> love it. Love it. Uh, no, you know what? I don't uh, hate that at all. We coined the build that wall. It, look, is here. Just think of Luke Keekley. Luke Keekley. Oh, I wanted to ask. I didn't want, remember when Geddes was talking about the John Beeson moment. I think in 2010, he was coming off of a Achilles injury. It was either 2010 or a 2011 that he remember he was coming off the injury. And this is maybe I'm the only one that's going to remember this. Anytime that I see people coming off an injury and they're over training in the off season, I get nervous. We saw this with Christian McCaffrey. Right. He was like, and you're like, Oh God, he's going to be awesome. Look at how healthy he is. Boom. Hurt. John Beeson had this video where he was like climbing sand mountains on the beach with like a bungee cord attached to him. And you're like, oh, shit, Beeson's right, right. And then it was like hurt right away. <laughs> we didn't think that we needed um, Luke Keekley at that time. And I think that what I don't want us is to rest on the laurels of last year's success on the offensive line. It was pretty good. It was better than we're accustomed to. Was it great? I'm not ready to go that far. And I know what you like, Cody, is one of the things is you saw, we like verification. We all have a degree of verification bias in our opinions. Oh, yeah. So I think this is that you believed in Brady Christensen. We all saw him getting the snub for whatever reason it was. And it was nice to see him. We saw him. We saw him do better than the people that he was snubbed for. I think people, when it comes to Cade Mays, I think the people who believe he's going to be good or is and can compete and play, I think they thought that from the beginning, right? It's like, I mean, like, what is it that I'm not saying that he's not going to be, but I have no real reason to believe that he will or won't be at this point. Right. I think this and dude, I and I in that creator chat, I gotta I gotta ignore that shit sometimes, or all the time. These guys drive. They don't. First of all, they zero care about anything I say, which is fine. But somebody goes, "This man, we got Moten and Aquanu. We gonna roll." And I was like, "Dude, you guys shit on Moten all last season." shitted on him and you know what to be honest is moton has is is declined every year for the last three and years dude, in that chat there's so much brady christensen slander oh, oh, it drives me insane man <laughs> like, you me. can't rest on your laurels is my point right because right. i want those players i want those players to do well <clears throat> i hope they're gonna do well but we gotta keep building and building and building and you know what is we especially and you brought up a great point, Cody. This was not I don't know if this was last week where you said if Bryce Young's the pick, what I like about it is it's going to force us to continue to invest in the offensive line yeah. like they did for like a Tom Brady. Yes. And the problem like was 
we left Cam out there. We always said yeah. this. Just Cam, you can do it. We're gonna mm-hmm. give you the law firm. We're gonna give you Brent. Uh, he'll be all right. Yeah, you can handle it because you're better than everybody. All but right. then we need a, a a player like that's better than everybody that also is put in a place to maximize that. Yeah. So yeah, um, we're, we're, de- we're definitely into, and I, I have no problem if you want to further solidify the trenches. Um, I, I just I like Brady Christensen. I think he did good at that left guard position. Uh, Austin Corbett will be back. You, you might know, be starting to talk about him at right tackle, though, Brady Christensen. And, and you know what? I'm not even mad at that because he yeah. does have the athletic ability yeah. to play tackle. But by the way, speaking of athletic ability, uh, this is Zay Flowers. This is training. the video, dude. This this is right here. I've already. This is where I decided. This look is Zay Flowers, There's man. Look nobody at, can look, guard look, that. Look There's nobody that. in the world. Look, look at this move. Up. Oh, see you later, dude. That change <laughs> of direction nice. is insane. It's insane. Man, this is what I was talking about. The that's Panthers also no pads, no defense. Dude, Greg, go watch Boston College and watch this man do this every single game, okay. brother. He does it you all the time. You can just do that on every play. I would love for him to. I really would. Yeah. You could do that on every play and it's four yards. Go get the next version of Steve Smith, baby. Let's do it, man. Come on. I'm, I, we have to. We don't he have does, DJ Chark for one said, day. David get a sense, dude. That's bold. He went out and said it, too. Yeah, man. Someone that, that was played bold. with Steve. That was bold. Someone All right, let's played get... with Steve and had to prepare for Zay. That, that one video, Cody, because I don't love these receivers. They're all mm. undersized. They're all like they're all pretty good, but not the great. The NFL doesn't either. The rumors are that not right, a lot of right. them are valued very high. But is that that's like a Brandon Cooks type player? Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like is that this? And the one thing is this is the league is built for those guys now. Ten years ago, you could get your hands on them. You know, is that that's the thing? Is the only way you're going to defend Zay Flowers is to get up on the line and get on his ass and bully him. Because that right there is creating space. He is going to create space no matter what. No matter how good you are, there's no way you can turn that fast. And like he uh, has the advantage because he knows he's about to turn. You know what I'm saying? So he's going to. But if you got uh, Bryce Young Young and he knows that's what's coming, he's just going to throw it there. That's like peanut butter and jelly, baby. That's meant to Uh go together. And by the way, like Trey Burnett says, uh, he was the only bright spot for Boston College. The team was trash. It was terrible. So, yeah, dude, I think he has a ton of potential. I would love that pick. All right. A couple more calls. Unit. Hey, I got to give a shout out to Mr. Gaddis, man, for coming on the fucking show. Hey, y'all pulled that shit off. That is pure fire, man. That shit was fucking Fire, boy! I so can't good. believe y'all pulled that off, man. That, hey, <laughs> just us in the segment. Hey, just I appreciate this fucking podcast. Hey, man, from the bottom of my I heart, bro, you, I gotta take the time to just give a shout out to C three, man. Hey, y'all, y- y'all are fucking family. Y'all my fucking niggas, G. Love you, G. Y'all my nigga niggas. I'm not gonna play, man. Y'all my motherfucking dog. Y'all are fucking family, bro. And I'm, I'm giving a shout out to Pervin H. I'm gonna be in Carolina 
this fucking coming season, man. I will be in Carolina, G baby, and the fucking fam. Yeah. We're gonna be out there for a three day trip. It's What's probably up? gonna be at the beginning of September, hopefully, against the Texans. We gonna be out there. But once again, you know, shout out to the fucking whole C3 family for just embracing me. You know, I can be an asshole. You know, I can be in my my feels. You know, I can cry I and bitch it. and moan all the time. But honestly, it's coming from my heart because I, 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 I love this the franchise, man. I love the organization. I love my black and blue, you dig? Hey, shout out to my motherfucking yeah, yeah. dog, Anthony. It's been me and you to stay I love G baby because I feel like I understand him. Yeah, people, people, um, I think this is like, look, I just like the diversity of personalities that we get in this show. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that people have the backbone to speak their opinion. Yeah. I mean, does he come off a little abrasive <laughs> at times? Sure. But hey, but that's like, who he is. We don't ever, we don't ever tell, like you said earlier, Tony, we don't tell people how to fan. Okay, this is a podcast for the fans, by the fans. Fans have lots of varying opinions. Hell, me, uh, Tony, Greg, and CK have a bunch of different opinions if you haven't already picked I know. that up. I mean, Cody and I, Cody can make, he's like a third on the list of making me mad in my life. It's like, <laughs> it's like my wife, my my mother and my wife are a tie, and then it's like Cody. Right. If, if, here's the thing with, with G-Baby. Like, if we were sensitive, like number one, G Baby would have been banned if we were one of these, oh, uh, yeah. one of these, yeah. but not even just G Baby. Let's talk about one of our other faithful, you know, members, and that is C Dog that he talked about in the call. Like, C Dog came in here and he was like troll number one and just stuck around. Like, and now he is like a valued member of, of the C3 super chat. I mean, the chats and, uh, you know, yeah. of the, of the, uh, oh, dude, he's uh, a great, he's a, one of our greatest supporters. Yeah, it's 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 that's that's the thing is like we can we I, I, it is a family and it's also understanding we are on the internet people might be fast to type or get emotional or right. or whatnot and that's okay but to to completely write them off as somebody who's not valuable to us or to this uh, this community is absolutely uh, you know detrimental to what we're trying to do here and we are all fans we've all had the emotions at the end of a uh, a game where it's just been a horrible day and you know, it's, I, I have no problem with, with any of the people in our chat, man. It's my, been thrilling. My, uh, the thing, the, the only th- <laughs> I've fretted with this over the years is like how far, how hard in the paint do you go with the language? Right. Is, but you know what? I love a off color joke more than anybody yeah. i make you know i make the worst you guys are like you call me for it everything has some sort of sexual connotation like I, you know what is this is again is like i just decided this is that like that's not what i want the show to be a regular like a like i'm so like I, I look i do you know i'm sad sometimes that we get people like i mean connor I mean, like you know as you're like somebody messaged me one time they're like dude i have trouble listening to the podcast in the car with my kids 
I get, I, you know, I understand that. And, you know, and I worry, I've been concerned about that in the past. Like, should I bad though? Like, no, no. Well, so, man, sometimes I've gotten loaded on this. Can I, but, can I interrupt this to give you a fa- uh, an actual family message? How about my mama real lashing it in the chat? Just gifted 10 oh, new man. subs. Nice. Yeah, we didn't have a lot. Oh, we had tonight. Mama. We had gifts tonight. Shout out to my mama, bro. Shout out to my mama, man. John Hume, Anthony Montgomery, CJA, Hemlock, Jordan Roberts, Jorge Marcelo, Always Mosley, Chris Mortensen, and Emmanuel are new members of the C3 Super Fan. Nice. Oh, and Bull got 22, man. I think that's one of the best donations to the show is when you gift it to someone else. Right, is it kind of helps everybody wins on that one? Um, but so good, just back to the last thing I want to say about me fretting with the language and the kind of tone. I just decided this is that I always wanted, I've always said this is I want us to feel like we're riding in the car to the game and back talking shit. And you know what? When we're in the shit, when in the car, we, we making them off color jokes. <laughs> we doing that you know what i'm saying so i just said this is you know what i'm not i don't even care i'm not gonna take our, myself that seriously where i'll be like oh you know you know it's just like this is what it is this place you know what you every it's capitalism man you find what you love you find we want we want every fan we want every fan to feel like they can come be the fan they want to be here with the c3 panthers podcast brass tax yeah, and, and I don't uh, ever want anybody to, for me. I want people to tell me. I learn more about football and what's going on from the Panthers from the people that are in our chat and on Twitter and this yeah. than I ever learned from anybody. <clears throat> Sports Nut is like the number one. He's like my news fucking aggregator. Oh, yeah. That's he's, how like I own, my- he's our Dove Climbing. <laughs> he has this whenever, Dove Climbing. Whenever I'm making the presentation for the show, I'm always looking. At, yeah, yeah. I'm always looking at his at his post in the Discord and in the uh, free for all yeah. chat. The, the dude's the man. And how about this, Anthony Piccarello with another two dollars? Look at says, this. G baby knows what's up. Bryce, the truth, young. They've been on that Bryce bandwagon. They're hitmen so together. Shout out the to the hitters. boys, man. Shout out uh, to the boys. All right, two quick calls left. Yeah, that was an awesome uh, interview. I appreciate that, dude. That was fucking great. Appreciate you, Al. And uh, it's still CJ, dude. All right, nice. I like how this is like, don't... uh, I feel like some of this, we just get swayed by what recency... So yeah, recency bias. bias is a real thing in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Anything is like, mm-hmm. it's just, what have you done for me lately? And so I do think that this affects the numbers. If you're a CJ person, be a CJ person. If you're a brown young person, be a young person, and uh, be a Panther person whenever we get the pick. Look, I don't know. First, you know, it's kind of hard to to get these interviews without being a beggar. You know, you don't really have much to offer. People are always worried. They don't know anything about you. Are you trying to sandbag them? I even had this weird exchange where I was trying to message Cody and uh, all the guys about like hey because i said hey here's my co-host my last message to david Geddes in the dms was here's some of the things i was like just thinking we could talk about my name's tony again my co-host is cody 
and I sent you guys a screenshot, but I was concerned. I want Cody, CK, and Greg. I want us all. I appreciate all the time you give to the show and all that. I didn't want you to feel like, oh, I'm leaving you guys out because I didn't mention you to him. Right. And then so I mess I was trying to message you guys saying, hey, I'm going to I just didn't want him to feel like, hey, he's going to come into a room and we're all just going to be like, right, right. David Geddes. Yeah. You know, and like and just I was like and I had read. So I accidentally sent the message that I was trying to send to you guys. I sent to him <laughs> and I was like, shit, did I just <laughs> fuck all this up? And I was like, sorry, man. I was and it was a nice message, too. It wasn't anything wrong with it. It was just like, I just didn't want to scare them off by like, tell them they're like all these people, you know, and all this, like, is, do you need to know how the sausage made all the time? And he's like, no problem. I tell you this, you don't ever know what you're going to get in these interviews. You don't know what kind of person. It is incredible. That was great. That was, that was like um, a fantastic interview. And um, to the point where like, I felt like any other person from his position would have been very quick to try to be like all right well i've got to go guys so yeah you know and he just he he sat in there and talked to us and it's not a you know uh, a prerequisite for a good interview to have somebody who's willing to sit there for an hour but uh man if he wasn't able to answer these questions and you know be honest about it and tell us he wasn't cool guarded yeah. yeah he wasn't guarded and it's like i think once we prove to people we have no agenda right to other than to just celebrate you know, it's like, it's not a sand, like, it's like, we're not trying to get a hot take from anybody. We're not trying to get insider information. This is just a show about us loving the Panthers, man. Uh, and that one right there, that's a top. That's this is what this is. This show, that interview just catapulted to a big moment in C3 history. And people don't snub it. Don't sleep on that one. That was a good one. Last call of the night. Great show tonight, guys. My question, if Bryce did not have the speed that he clearly has playing football, would the desire to have him as the Carolina Panther quarterback be on the same level as CJ? Since Bryce does have great speed in his plays, is that his saving grace? Can he mean mental thoughts? speed? Does he Keep mean, pounding. Is that processing Keep pounding. speed? pounding. It's got to be what they mean. Is that processing yeah. speed? Because he's yeah. not crazy fast, right? Wait, who? Uh, Stroud or? or Young. Well, I mean, but, Young. Well, no, as yeah, a, that's as a runner. Yeah. As a, well, I mean, no, listen, he's very fast from behind the pocket. I mean, super fast. Well, I mean, you're he's not caveats. No, no, no. But, but listen, I'm saying it, as, a, as a running threat, you know, running down the field, he can pick up the yardage. But okay. right. what, I, what, what she's talking about, is his ability to be so quick and fast and nimble behind the line of scrimmage, that is absolutely one of his biggest selling points. And when you hear him compared to Drew Brees, Drew Brees was never able to do that kind of stuff. Right. So, well, And the, the the people that were considered outliers are um, Drew Brees and, uh, and uh, Russell Wilson. But, you know, those guys were never valued with these types of uh, traits. Like they were, um, again, Drew Brees wasn't a late round pick, but Russell Wilson was much the later. Third. Yeah, the like third. he much later than what people were realizing. And wasn't it that year, was it um, Russell and Dak and Carson Wentz? Ooh, uh, I think Dak question. was 
a few years after Russell Wilson, to be honest with you. I think yeah. Russell had already won like two Super Bowls. Yeah, because Russell game. was because, yeah, was playing us when we were playing Romo. Uh, yeah. Russell was, Wilson went from NC State. He was originally with NC State and then he went to Washington. He had one of the best years as a quarterback. He threw like 5,000 yards, some crazy amount his mm. senior year. I think this is what I almost feel like is they have set the tone for it's almost like uh, uh, people like Russell Wilson made it so that Bryce Young could be a number one pick. Like 10 years ago, Bryce Young could never be a number one pick because of his size alone. People would have just eliminated him. They would have said third round. Right. Mm. Russell, they didn't know. They slept on him. People slept on Russell Wilson. He was good. Well, it was that. It was that. No, I'm thinking about it wrong. It was Luck, RG3, and Russell Wilson. Which I wanted to ask Gettis a little bit about RG3. Like, because here is the thing is their offense stunk his when he was in Gaddis was in college. Like he did. But I mean, that was also RG3's rookie in sophomore year. Right. Junior and senior year. And then he goes and wins the Heisman and had that incredible senior season. Interesting. Uh, you know, RG3 is an interesting person in this mold. You know, it's like you think of him in the Lamar Jackson, the Cam Newton story, all of this. It kind of fits into some of the things. This RG3 should have been, it's just one one injury away. It's kind of luck. It's kind of luck in its place. It's time and place and luck. It's the size thing, man, to be truly honest with you. That's what I can equate it to is because RG3, and I'm sorry, I'm going to say it right now. Uh, 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 What's the name? Kyler Murray has not been a great quarterback, and I don't think he's going to be a great quarterback going forward. Lamar Jackson, okay, has had a really good year with his MVP year. Beyond that, he's been injured the entire time. Russell Wilson's falling off the cliff now. I'm telling you, man, there is not a great record of short quarterbacks being uh, good in the NFL for a long time. I think, Greg, to agree with you in some ways, to talk about how it's not the – the anomaly. I, I think it's interesting that Kyler Murray isn't brought up more as an example of why Bryce Young could succeed. People, I know that really? they don't have the same play style. I know they don't have the same play style, but like, I think people have grown have cooled on Kyler Murray. I don't think you hear his name involved like you hear Drew Brees and Russell Wilson because he didn't become. He's not the player yet that we thought he was. He's been good. He hasn't been fantastic. We're gonna. He's see been he pretty good. I I'm just surprised that that's yeah. not like, hey, Kyler Murray can do it. But you know what? We have heard. Uh, who is it that we have uh, from the Arizona Cardinals come on a lot? Um, and he said this: Kyler Murray has trouble throwing in the middle. He tends to throw to the outsides because it's hard to see. Yeah, and that's not something that uh, that's not something that uh, Bryce struggles with. If you look at his heat map where he tends right. to target, it's across the middle of the field. And it's all about That's positioning and, and moving just just subtly. He's fantastic at those subtle movements, moving yeah. just enough to be able to see. Yeah. And by the way, let's be real. When he comes to Carolina, Frank Reich is going to have him in shotgun and pistol most of the time because it's going to benefit someone his size playing a little bit further back from the line that way he's not right up 
by the O-lineman having his view obstructed. But that's fine. Most of the NFL is like that anyway. I, I'm If we draft Bryce, I am more than okay with him. And I'm also not worried about the RG3 comparison because RG3 was running around everywhere, man, taking yeah, shots, all kinds yeah. of stuff. That's not going to be how Bryce Young plays football. Yeah, that's not his game. And I think that is a, that does behoove him, right? Well, it's like it's like his small stature is if, if he was a running quarterback and that was like a dual threat, then you would be like, oh, that's not going to hold up. So anyway, and, um, go ahead, Greg, well, and then we'll get out. My, we'll th- get, my thing we'll is, is we talked to Coach Geddes earlier, and he said that when he got to the NFL, a tight end was covering him, and he, he couldn't believe that was happening, the speed. Right. So why do we not believe that while Bryce Young has been great in college and he's very short, that when he gets to the pros, that he's not going to face better defensive linemen because he was to be more difficult to throw over than he was. He in played college. at Baylor. Who? Um, David Geddes, right? Yeah, no, he's talking. Greg is bringing up this. What I'm saying is. If if what he what he played was a better was a better level, then why wouldn't Bryce Young's be better? Right, right, because he played at Baylor, which they still and, play good teams. Right, but they don't play they're still, they're still, Alabama still teams. Yeah. Players drafted out of those teams, they don't play yeah, he, Alabama. I mean, he teams. was he was pretty emphatic but, 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 but that, that he plays play in the best team. conference. Bryce Young played with Alabama teams. He didn't play against Alabama. Teams. What I, you you misunderstand what I'm saying? He play he's playing against Alabama caliber teams. Yeah, right, that's I'm not saying he's playing uh, against LSU, Alabama, but, Alabama caliber team. Right, but my you point know? is that he is playing against the uh, one of the, if not the best college division in the entire college, you know, landscape with the right? best player. And by he, the way, he, uh, he's uh, arguably the worst Alabama team in the in the past ten to fifteen years. Yeah, and to make another yeah. argument on top of that, though, uh, uh, Bryce Young last season played Georgia twice and they beat him in the SEC championship the first time. And people say that Georgia's defense last year was even better than it was this year. And he threw for almost 400 something yards. Uh, and they had Jordan Davis, the big six foot six, 345 yeah, pound guy. Like they have big, strong players all throughout the SEC. And yeah, if I- you only play college there's no other way you're going to prove yourself than playing in college and sec is the proving ground i agree with greg and one and not agree it's not agree or disagree what he's what he's saying is this is like let's not act like alabama isn't a talented team right that talent bent behooves bryce young the people who say this and the best coaches yeah the bryce young has found a way to thrive and he's always been the smallest this isn't a new rodeo for him so it's just but, like he's he's always thrived if he can thrive in the nfl it's going to be incredible it's going to be great can, can i, I can i use that as an example yeah alabama largely considered the best football program in the entire college landscape chose bryce young as their quarterback fair point yeah and to go even further tony like uh, a player like trevor lawrence if you go back to his high school days, all he did was win football games. Yeah, you're right. But guess what? Bryce all, Young uh, is always not, been only, not only was that all he was doing, but at modern day high school in California, look up the talent that has come from that high school. 
They are routinely the best high school college football team in all the nation. And Bryce Young was setting records over there too, man. What do his parents do? And the reason I asked this, this I told guy's you. a psychologist. Yeah. But he had like, I felt like he had personal coaches when he was in sixth grade, dude. He might have. It's a different era than when I came up, bro. Yeah. It was like you bought your baseball glove at Kmart. Not everybody had a bat bag when they're like, now they got personal coaches that sit in the sixth grade. You got little mini me over there. And you're like, you know what? We're going to get you these. Bill, Bill O'Brien, come on. <laughs> Coach my kid to the NFL. It's amazing. They invested in it. All right. Those are the cat calls. That's the C3 Panthers podcast. The only thing in the news that we're going to talk about or mention or two things just real quick is this is Russell Okung. Uh, he pulled off a, a Jordan Gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Lost a ton of weight. Look at this. You know, I, I, I feel embarrassed. This is, it feels like this, and maybe it's just the angle, like, or the angle, the side, the profile pic. It almost feels like it's like a, a picture of man's evolution somewhere. <laughs> I don't know why I just think of that. Like it should well, be on a it's chart. Because all of those are side <laughs> profiles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he is he's young. I mean, he's skinny. Um, how about this? His knees will thank him. Yeah. And it, listen, <laughs> it's not he- look, right. it's not healthy being uh, you Obese. know a, a, a lot Obese. of yeah the 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 weight that these guys are there's. You know, it's not a surprise that they all shed a hundred pounds when they're done you playing have to. football. Yeah, you have right. to. Dude. Yeah, you have you have to. Um, YouTube got in, uh, uh, the ticket. Uh, yeah, what are these prices? Tell us about these prices. Does anybody know how this relates to the old prices? Because yeah, the ticket's yeah, the always prices. been fucking expensive. So let the me old, let us know. The old prices were three hundred. Um, for regular and 350 for red zone. So this isn't a substantial increase for the benefit of not having to deal with uh direct TV. Yeah. Um, but well, not if you buy it before June 6th though, and you, Oh, you have to have YouTube TV as well. Yeah. I think these, some of these, I think the YouTube TV is the, um, is the purchase before t- uh, June 6th. You get it for the 249 and 289. Um, or in, but uh, early for three forty nine and three eighty nine uh, for non YouTube TV subscribers. So essentially, um, buy it before June sixth. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. I thought that the ticket was even more than what you said, but the three hundred. Well, so they they do um, break it up over like typically like the entirety of the season. So you're not spending all that money in one go. So I would be interested to see how YouTube is going to. Um, manage to do that. I don't think they're going to have that same benefit because DirecTV is going to be able to throw this whole collections process into there uh, at you if you don't pay it. Like if you were to just cancel the you know payment method you were using. So I don't know how YouTube is going to do it, but I'm guessing you're going to pay the whole thing up, up front. Oh, okay. Yeah, probably so. Well, listen, man, we're almost at four hours know, on this thing, man. Cody's but, ready to but, go. No, I'm just saying we have 128 people at almost one o'clock in the fucking morning, bro. You think we don't have good fans? Shit. And we're still not done. Maybe we got one more segment left to do our homage to Steve Smith, Tony Dunn. It's time to ice some fools up, brother. 
Ice up, son. Ice up. It's the uh, longest running segment on the longest running Panthers podcast. And when I say the longest running Panthers podcast, not only are we going into our 11th season where we haven't missed a week and have only expanded our coverage day by day, inch by inch. But when I say we're the longest running, I challenge you to find another podcast that goes four hours on the reg, <laughs> three hours on the reg. Come on, folks, man. We live in, <laughs> we live in with y'all. Y'all the best. This is our homage to Steve Smith. This is the first segment I ever introduced that thing. Maybe I tried one other and it didn't last. I did breaking down the box. Tried that one. The ice up sun pick. Thank you. Comes, but goes all the way back to 2013. Remember that. 2013 mm-hmm. is when the ice up segment dude. was born. Yes, mm-hmm. this is a 10 year segment right here where we tell someone to ice up, toughen up to get it together. Guys, I'm going to go real quick with a couple of my fun ones. Uh, one is this is hold on. Let me get this Instagram pop in right here. This right here. This trip me trip me out. Oh, that, dude, look at that knee. Look at this knee. Knee? They cut it off. Oh, that knee goes straight into the concrete. Oh. Watch. This thing's going to be shredded. Knee. Oh. Shredded. Oh. Shredded, shredded, shredded. And then the other one. Hold on. I didn't I didn't have it queued up. Does anybody got uh, theirs real yeah, quick? I'll, so I pull this yeah, up, too. I'll, no, I'll, just I'll, play that video until you find it. Right, I just sat <laughs> I know. Yeah, okay. Um, look in, but took it to the head. So look, um, last week I played a video of an unfortunate cop who was stuck upside down, uh, and, and uh, that man had an inconvenient stain uh, on the back of his underwear. Well, there's a trend going Uh-oh. on as people. <laughs> if you if you blend you missed it. Oh and then he put it on the internet still. What I a, think that's the trend, it, right? It better be live. <laughs> or oh you think they did this by design? It's a trend, yeah. They're doing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, they're doing it on purpose. I wouldn't I mean, be surprised oh, if the God. officer did it on purpose. <laughs> uh, doesn't that ruin everything? So, um, but I know you know what I know wasn't on purpose. Um, so Jaden McDaniels is a basketball player. Uh, he was coming off the court, and uh, my man got mad at something, and he went. He was going to the locker room, and he punched a concrete wall. Oh, broke his and hand. Hurt, yeah, broke and his hurt hand. his hand. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah and he was hand. out for the rest of the game, dude. Well, so it's the last game of the season, but yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, broke, broke his hand. Broke his hand. Yeah. Uh, it was literally concrete behind that. Yep. So my eyes up. Uh, make sure that you have clean underwear at all times. And control your anger, man, because you don't want to break your hand punching a concrete wall. Hey, by the way, they're for sure going to grab us for playing Fox stuff. Not for this short, will they? Yeah, Probably. I guarantee they Probably will. Probably they will, yeah. Um, all I want is this uh, beginning segment of that. Is he is who is that guy with the hat uh, on? Who is Travis Tr- with the hat on? I don't no, know. Yeah, the country Travis Tragic Tritt. or something. Poor, 
Tucker, poor Travis, they are, man, he's just trying to suck it out. He's like, I don't like to wish for people bad, but I hope Bud Light goes bankrupt. It was just like, I was like, Tucker, Tucker. It's just like, it's just so sticky at this. It just was such a stick that like, we can't look at y'all seriously. Just simply can't look at you seriously ever. Because even the guest was like, man, I'm not getting baited in this shit. And I agree with you. Anyway, ice up to people, you know, is that like they would imagine if we took that attitude on this show, people would come after us, be like, Oh, you just hot taking it. You're just fucking, that's all they do. They just, well, they're, they're leaning. Well, in. Guy says but it's, John but it's different on the show. Oh, We're John not trying Rich. to spell anything to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're right. You know, um, like, so yeah. it's a little different. Yeah. See, okay. You got one. I'll let uh, Greg go because I think we might have a similar one. Well, mine just ties into that one right there slightly, yeah. and it's just going to be real quick. It's uh, I, I, look, I'm not going to give my views on the Anheuser Busch thing and the Bud Light thing. Um, I don't drink Bud Light, and I don't plan on drinking Bud Light in the future. But I will say I'm going to ice up all the people that are thinking they're taking a stand by stopping drinking Bud Light because Anheuser Busch makes a lot of beer. Yeah, yeah. Actually, they're owned by InBev too, so it's like a conglomerate. It's a world conglomerate. So you're yeah. like, "Fuck, fuck Anheuser <laughs> right. Bush." I'm right. gonna drink Stella, and you're but like, "I can almost guarantee you're too, gonna be paying Bud Light or pay, paying Anheuser Bush." So I would say study before that. I drink craft beers that are all local breweries, so I contribute to that. But uh and who gives it, a fuck, man? Y'all honestly, drink Bud Light. Uh, Y'all are honestly, already the yeah. It's hey man, I drink Heineken I like I drink Heineken. I was like about to real, make a, I was about I to make a gender want, joke right there. I don't there. even want to get into this shit fucking at almost one o'clock at night, dude. Uh, CK, hey, well, go drink ahead. a Mick Ultra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. CK, go ahead, hey, man. Do you uh, do your ice up? By the way, the idea that people not drinking the beer isn't hurting them is unequivocally false. Oh, that's Blood true. It's definitely hurting them. Hemorrhaging. Yeah. At yeah, this point definitely. in time, oh, right now, dollars, right yeah. That. yeah. Uh, but so my ice up is to the woman who made the decision that they were going to go with transgender uh, ideology to try to increase the sales of Budweiser. I'm telling you, the people that you're trying to appeal your to base. have your base. no interest in Budweiser. No interest. They're pl- they're over there drinking white claws and artisan beers, right? Right. That's what they're drinking. Yeah. Or or martinis, whatever it is. They're not drinking Bud Light, Budweiser, any of that. So the fact that they've decided that that was the route. Her explanation. This is where the ice up comes in. The person who is the head of their marketing division. Her explanation was when we took over Budweiser's brand, they were. It's a dying. It was dying. And if we didn't do something, yeah. they were going to be, there would be no more Budweiser in, in two so or three years. Great job, huh? Right. right. <laughs> now there's not so, going to be. <laughs> so what she's done uh, is she's done something that was so, uh, such a polarizing thing that it's supposed to like, it's supposed to all of a sudden pull people in from an activist standpoint to now all of a sudden they're going to have an influx of these young people drinking their beer. They're not. <laughs> it these hurt. issues appeal to nobody too the smallest margins of society exactly. it's the small it's the lo- loudest margin of the society but 
if you ask the majority of the people in chat, you ask people on this panel, the amount of people who care, uh, who, who look at the circumstances or that entire movement and take it as, uh, as just extremists is probably the majority of us. Uh, and so if you're going to invest into that, I can tell you there are going to be people, be people who say, I'm not drinking that anymore. And I'll tell you this from my, my own experience. I know a Bud, Budweiser rep here, and they are like not going to be able to pay their bills this month because Budweiser. Oh, yeah, it hurts, the, it hurts the local salespeople. It does. Or, uh, nice mm-hmm. up to you. You're right. That's a good ice up pick. And I guess mine, and just to pivot on that, I know, Cody, you don't want us to talk about it. It's like, can we take the politics out of things that aren't political? No. Right? It's like, and that's what I'm saying is this, is I just want my beer. I don't give a fuck what the CEO of the company's political... I don't care. I don't care what the the CEO's political views are. It's kind of like when people are like, "Oh, Chick Fil A doesn't like." I just want a chicken sandwich, dude. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I mean, if great, I want, if I want to argue man. about politics, like, take the politics out of my beer. To a certain extent, Tony, you're right. To a certain extent, just don't give a but, fuck. I no, just but there drink is a, a line you have to draw, and if you just say, if you just ignore that all the time, then guess what happens. But Before it's not their company's it, job turn to around social and you have nothing. fucking I'm telling you. warrior for us. No, and this, you know what? You might as well not, just no. be Tom's. It's a you know what? They might as well as do this. Is for every beer you buy, we give a dollar to some starving kid and whatever. It's all fucking fake. Like just, yeah, maybe. we know it's capitalistic. We know you just want our fucking money. Like, and I want your product. I don't give a fuck about what your political views are. I just want to eat a chicken sandwich. And I'm not chastising Chick-fil-A for closing on Sunday. What I'm saying is this, is I don't give a fuck what their politics are. Sandwich tastes good. The beer sucks. You know what? You shouldn't be drinking Bud Light because it fucking Agreed. sucks. Miller Light is a far superior light beer. Coors better it's only or PBR. Now, Miller the Light only one calorie more than the Mick Ultra. The difference on the Chick-fil-A front is they're doing that in spite of money. Budweiser did this in an effort to try to get more money. And they lost like a bunch and they're of losing money, money right? Money. So there's there's a quite di- there's a tremendous difference. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm not saying they're the same thing. I, I just don't care about their politics. All I want is a, right. I don't go to Food Line and go, right. oh, what the fuck does Food Line got to say about boo, boo, boo? I'm yeah, just like, why, man, yeah, I just no want a fucking, I just trying to buy groceries, motherfucker. They want a beer. They don't <laughs> care about your politics, man. Make You're just your beer commercials funny. This, How about that? Go back to being a funny commercial. Absolutely. Levity. We all are all alcoholics because we don't want to talk about this shit. Tony, this all points into why you want free state and less government involved in your decision. Yeah. You want to be able to have a free thought and not yeah. think politics and everything you think. Yeah. Just let everybody know that. That was a company decision. I know. I know. I know. But they don't need to dip their toe into that water. This is the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com, where every Tuesday night we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. Sometimes we land really good interviews that make the show go all the way till 1 a.m. But guess what? I don't 
care if you got to go to bed, Cody. I stayed up all hmm. night working on the out, blah, blah, working, blah, blah. I was like this. I was like, what? When when CK messaged me and said, what are you doing? Uh, I was like, you're right. Like two hours fuck? after you sent it to us, dude. Like, yeah. we, we normally wake up and go to work. Yeah. I know. I know. It was stupid. Yeah. I was stupid. I was in a zone. I was feeling it. I was having fun. I like getting these creative moments. I just start writing, writing, writing. Anyway, guess what? 114 people still with us. So fuck off, Cody, and your sleepy head. Man, this has been fantastic, and it's been fantastic. I'm it. trying to sleep. Um, uh, no, I'm just giving you shit, man. I love you more than anybody. Love you um, too, brother. Watched your Embrace the Debate. I uh, was in those comments. Uh, take that. Debate my take, Mug. Let's get after it. Convince me to care. Whatever you need to do, tell them where they can get after you, Cody. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Cody Lack, C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. All my written content on drafttech.com. I put in a lot of work over there. I'm doing comments for uh, three rounds of Panthers draft picks this year at drafttech.com. Check that out. And hey, uh, in case you didn't know, I'm on a brand new podcast, y'all. Me, my internet sparring partner, partner Monty Fetty. And Desmond Johnson from the Believe in Panthers podcast with Jonathan Stewart. Uh, we have come together and we have made uh, a new podcast, Embrace Debate, Carolina Panthers. Um, it's a fun new thing I'm a part of. And it goes up live on this channel as well. Because, uh, you know, StreamYard, it'll let you broadcast that stuff everywhere, man. So Tobacco Sports Road and right here on the C3 Panthers podcast. That's every Monday morning. At 10.30 a.m. Come and uh, come and hang out with us. Greg, how can they find you? Man, you can find me at the Bat Daddy 52 on Twitter is my personal handle. Check out my other show, uh, Geeks Chasing Squirrels Across the Multiverse. We go live at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube. And then also on Fridays, out there Fridays, on Fridays. Fridays. Yeah, sorry. On Fridays. And I want to put out there that on Mondays, starting next week, we're going to be doing the... Uh, I don't know if it's the name yet, the five on five, but we're going to be talking about the NBA playoffs. Uh, the Lakers just won, lock up the seventh seed. Are they so going to be the first play in team to ever win? They may be. They very well may be because they're, they're, they're playing pretty well right now. But it's got to be doing the NBA playoffs. Right yeah. For the next, I don't know, two months. Yeah. So at least on Monday, next months, check us out. Yeah. It'll be on Geeks Chasing Squirrels uh, YouTube feed. So come check us out. Good time. Right on CK. You can find me on Twitter um, at Codizzle Allen and uh, obviously here on Tuesday nights and uh, sometimes on Friday uh, with the Friday Fever also. And yeah. uh, obviously the draft show. Yes. Perfecto. Smash the thumbs up button. Subscribe. Check us out. Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher. Go to CarolinaCatChronicles.com. Let us know that you like hanging out and chatting. Support is the best way to do it. We don't need, we love, well, look, we appreciate any donation, but your time is worth any is so much more. We value it. Appreciate it. Cody Lack, let's get out of here. C3 Panther Nation, until next time, keep pounding. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. 
Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.